Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. My signal sounds a little off. Hopefully it's broadcasting properly. Uh, as soon as Bill calls, I'm going to put him right on because we have a lot to talk about this morning. Uh, obviously, we had an election yesterday. <laughs> it didn't go exactly as as, uh, as was predicted with a huge red wave. Uh, I was wondering about that, but I was kind of hoping for something better. But uh, here's Bill, so let's get right to right to him. On tonight, Action Radio presents the Fecky Report. Good morning, Action Radio Land. Last night we went from a red tsunami to a red wave to a ripple to a possible receding of the waters. Yeah, low tide. <laughs> Did you like that one, the red ripple? I came up with that this morning. <laughs> so, you know, we learned a lot last night about America. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it was very telling last night. Uh, we learned Mitch McConnell does not care about the Republican Party. He just cares about staying as as leader in the Senate for the Republicans. We learned that Arizona officials all need to go to jail, as there's <laughs> so much hanky stuff going on there. It is oh, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and we, we have learned that we, only, we already knew that liberal, liberalism is a mental disease, but we mm-hmm. didn't really realize it until last night when Democrats decided it was more important to kill a baby than it is to get out of poverty. And then the See, last that thing fascinates that we... me. This, uh, this whole abortion issue fascinates me because you know I we're all everything's sounding a little unclear right now. I'm going to try something that uh, I probably shouldn't do, but I want to do it anyway. I'm going to refresh the screen and hope that everybody's going to still be here. So hang on, let me try something. <laughs> yes, I am. Well, that sounds better. Okay, good. Um, because it just every once in a while you have to reset this thing. I just never reset it during the show. <laughs> Usually I do it before the show. I was like, oh yeah, there we go. Pop the uh, pop the reshort. So, so so this fascinates me because I was thinking about the, the whole abortion issue and this idea. First of all, it's not a right. You can't have a right to kill somebody else. That's 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 an impossibility. And yet that's what they're claiming. But in in the the whole idea of abortion, you know, what are people talking about? Are they talking about does, on one extreme? There's folks that say you know no birth control. You can't do that. You're stopping human life, okay? And at the other end, people are saying, well, sometime after a baby is born, it's still called an abortion. We've got a huge range here, and we've really never defined, you know, what it is. Probably the best ones are the the, the heartbeat bills and things like that. But when Democrats say they're they're pro-abortion, I I wish people would sort of pin them down and the journalists would actually get out there and say, what are you talking about? At what point? What are we doing here? Are we talking about a morning after pill within 48 hours? Are we talking about uh, something six weeks later? Are we talking about a late-term abortion, which is just hideous? What are we talking about? And why is this this fascination with, with killing babies at the same time as they want open borders? I don't get it. None of this makes any sense to me. Bill? No, it doesn't. It, it, it's not supposed to make any sense. And that, that's the whole idea behind all this. And I think Wendy will probably discuss it even more in detail about the devil yeah. at work. 
because uh, that's exactly what's happening right now. And it, you know, and the devil is uh, in human form, and it's called the One World Order. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what we have right now is the destruction of America. I was watching uh, Newsmax last night, and they um, uh, one of the reporters that was at Kerry Lake's uh, headquarters was talking to a guy from England, mm-hmm. and. He 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 just brought it out straight out. It's like, you know, we are the richest c- country in the world. We are the most tech-savvy country in the world, which I kind of doubt. I, I, I question that a little bit, but well, I'll go with, with, with what he said. But yet we screw up all elections every single time. And, well, that's not because and we it, don't have the technology. It can't, it can't, that's by design. That's by design, Bill. It's not because well, we well, don't that's have the technology. Well, that's what I'm saying is that yeah. – well, that's where I'm going with this whole thing is that when you throw the abortion thing in, open borders in, uh, this transgender garbage in, um, you know, sex changes at age eight, uh, you're talking about devil at work. And then when you talk about these machines, quote, unquote, not working properly, it, it, it's, it's all designed to crush America. And it has been since the very beginning. Uh, you know, it started with Woodrow Wilson back in the early 1900s, and it's been slowly progressing ever since then. And that's why yeah, they but call people it are still voting for it. People are voting for this nonsense, and this is the part that I find so impossible. I don't find it impossible that the left is making ridiculous claims and pushing bizarre issues that are that are ghoulish, you know, like abortion. But uh, what, what what I don't understand is that the American people are this stupid. Pianchi, what do you think? You're absolutely right. They are oh. just stupid. Oh, okay. <laughs> they are. I agree. They, the, the, um, uh, I told you, liberalism is a bigger mental issue than we even knew, uh, and it's ridiculous. Um, you know, the the biggest question though is the poll. How did the polls be this far off? They had it right in Florida, close. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, when you look at Wash, the state of Washington, they had Smiley within five to six points. She's down, I think, like 14 points right now. Um, wow. you're talking yeah. About the, yeah, the governor race um, had an uh, escape some of mine right now, but the Republican governor... Well, wait a minute. How did, uh, how did Sour, sour Face uh, Susan Murray uh, stay in the, in the Senate that long? She's the most depressing-looking person. You look at her, I immediately want to take a, an antidepressant pill. I don't even take antidepressant pills. You know, <laughs> she is the most... Hard, there's, there's nothing attractive about this person in her stands, in her politics, or anything. She's not dynamic. Um, how does she, why is she still in the Senate? What is it about her? That, is it just because she's a Democrat? I think that, that's got to be a lot of it. It's just because these people are Democrats. Is it Murphy or Murray? Well, they, I, I you know, why, why, is Pelosi still, why is Pelosi still in office? I mean, talk about someone that you just want to almost commit suicide just by looking at. Um, <laughs> and then after she opens her mouth, it's like even worse. Uh, but yes, she no, but she's got a well-established California rich family. I know exactly why she's in office. You know, it makes, it makes well, same, yes, well, same reason Diane Feinstein's yeah. in office. The same reason um, anybody who moved from out of state, Willie Brown, was in office. You know, people move from the East Coast and they come to California, get rich, and run in politics. Most of California's politicians are not Californian. That's the biggest problem. Correct. Uh, Barbara Boxer yeah, was not from California. Um, yeah, yeah the, you look yeah, at the California from, people. They're all from the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Gavin Newsom is, but, but you know, uh, his aunt is Nancy Pelosi, and she's from, you know, New, New York, New Jersey, somewhere. Anyway, go ahead. Virginia, I think. I think it's Virginia. Okay. Oh, close um, enough. Because I think her. Maxine Waters from uh, St. Louis. Yeah, there, there oh. you go. That explains a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah, they do. Uh, <laughs> 
But, you know, uh, let's go back to McConnell for a second. Uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago on the show. I brought this up about how mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell was really pushing for Murkowski and refusing to help Masters in Arizona because mm-hmm. he was afraid that they would vote him out as Senate Majority Leader. One would uh, hope. So he, he held money back from – he didn't help Masters, and he didn't no. help Dr. Oz. And it showed last night because both of those guys – had a dogfight in the primaries and had to use a lot of resources. So by the time that they had to gather everything up and uh, Masters, you know, he would have been broke and he it would have been even a bigger landslide uh, mm-hmm. than it currently is if it wasn't for some billionaire. I can't remember who it was exactly. If they, I don't even know if they've actually announced the name or not who it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, mysterious donor that donated uh, tons of money to him to keep him afloat. So he was a great uh, so, candidate, yeah, but so. but Dr. Oz wasn't. Blake Masters is amazing. You know, I remember we, we talked yeah. about we had Wendy Rogers on the show, and we, we talked about uh, the Arizona candidates. So the Arizona candidates are amazing, but they've got an amazingly corrupt state. Now, you notice the problems are all in the states that have outstanding Trump electors from the state legislatures, right? Uh, Arizona, yep. Pennsylvania, Georgia, uh, Wisconsin to a certain degree, Nevada. All the states that have contentious Senate races are all the corrupt states that had 2020 election fraud and have, and this, where, again, where the state legislatures has, still have outstanding Trump electors that have never been settled. That was supposed to be decided January 6th, but that's why they held a coup to, to, to cover that stuff up. So the same problems in the same places, and yet the GOP hasn't fixed that. Um, those Maricopa County people, they should have been in jail in 2021. I don't even know why they're still walking loose on the streets. Look what they're doing. They've destroyed another election. Well, not only are they... Not only are they walking on the streets, one of them is about to become their governor. <laughs> Wait a minute. You know, how's, and, uh, how's Kathy Hog- how's, uh, isn't uh, Carrie Lake doing well in that or no? No, she, she's way down also. I'm oh, really? That, down I find Lake that hard is... to believe. That's, that's vote fraud. That's vote fraud because she was amazingly exactly. popular. Well, well here's well, the, well, Katie Hobbs. Wait morning. a minute. Katie Hobbs is the Secretary of State. She controls the elections in Arizona, which means she controls Maricopa County, which means she has rigged the election for her to win. So this is going to be interesting, but you know, I, I find it hard to believe that Carol that Lake is not going to win ultimately. Well, so my, my question is this, is that it shows that Carrie uh-huh. Lake is way down. Uh, uh-huh. But you know, in, in the morning in Arizona, they had uh, machines that were reporting 25% of the ballots incorrectly. Uh, did they correct that? 25%. That's my first probably question. Not. And yeah. yeah, probably not. And uh, the second question I have is, you know, did those people who got turned away from voting in the morning because the machines were down, did they come back to vote in the afternoon? Probably not. Because Well, here's the thing uh, that, that, that I discovered a couple of weeks ago. I was listening to uh, Dick Morris. And I was, up until maybe a month or so ago, a big proponent of voting on election day. Then I heard Dick Morris, and he made some really good points. He said, the Democrats are voting early. They're getting all their votes in. They're locking their votes in really early. They can tell who's voted and who hasn't voted. They can't tell how they voted, but they could, if they're Democrat Party registered, they can say, hey, you haven't voted yet. You know, make, make sure you get to the polls. So the Democrats run the election for the entire period of early voting, whereas Republicans had this big deal about voting on election day. And then a few weeks ago, I was listening to Dick Morris. He says, you know, you can have some real problems on election day. And I'm thinking, you know what? This guy's absolutely right. Dick Morris, one of the smartest people out there, even though he helped Clinton. And so I said, no, I'm going to vote early. And I started talking on the show, vote early, 
but make sure you vote at the election office, not with a voting machine, although we still have our DS-200s. I'll get rid of those. You know, I'm, I'm going to work to get rid of those you know, before 2024. But I said vote where they don't, the ballots don't have to go anywhere, where they can be counted where cast, where they're on a paper ballot, where you know exactly where they went. There's no transportation, no post office, no drop box, no middle person, no nothing. That, to me, is the most secure way to vote and do it early um, so that you don't have these problems on Election Day. And, of course, I think he was absolutely right. And I think early voting now is the way to go. But early voting at the election office only, no remote locations at all, that's, I think, is the most secure way to do it. Well, the, I mean, I, I vote at a remote location. And I've never, as far as I know, I've never had a problem. Um, well, if and, you don't know. You know and, what, well, once it yeah, gets well, on the Internet, we're, we're, you have no idea. Yeah. Well, we are very we are a lot smaller uh, area than say like in Maricopa County also, um, mm-hmm. so you know it's not like they have to travel two hours just to get to the main office. It, it takes twenty minutes to get from almost anywhere in Pensacola to the main the main supervisor of elections office. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main supervisor of elections office in downtown Pensacola has no capability of ever um, supporting your theory. Um, they'd have to move the office. Um, it's on a second floor in downtown Pensacola where there's absolutely no parking. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to get take an elevator. Well, move it to the office. A call fit. Move, move the office. Well, they'd have to, they would have to move or the office. Or have one remote location for voting where it's where the ballots are counted where cast. As long as the ballots don't move, that's that's the key. They can't be moved because the minute you do that, you've broken that's the chain right. of custody between the person who casts the vote and the person who counts the vote, and that is absolutely critical. I don't care if they move the uh, the, the counting location. Uh, you know, somewhere else, as long as the ballots don't move. Yeah, Pianki agrees. So, yeah. That's right. Votes, the ballots should be counted where it can. They shouldn't travel across the town, across county, across state, and, and probably in some cases even across the country into another country. Mm-hmm. And the results cannot okay, be transmitted so, so, online. So the, theory, the results have so to be so done by theory, phone or something. Yeah, go ahead. Well, your theory, your theory just doesn't work. And the reason why yeah, is it does. that... Uh, look at look at the no it doesn't look at the voting location, churches, uh-huh. schools. You can't not keep ballots there and close down a school or a church um, for two weeks. Well, then don't have those as voting locations. Them. You've got to move the voting locations to a place. This is why early voting is good. You know, in the same way that uh, you know we register our cars every year. You know, you can you can spend a, a little bit of time to drive to a voting location. You know, and the, granted, we can do that online. That's probably not the best example. But the point is that, that was the, a horrible the vote. Example. Yeah, you're right. Okay, I, I screw up every once in a while. I'll admit it. Um, but, <laughs> but 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 you're right there too, which is really good. That, that's always that always fascinates me. Um, but the, uh, the, the the criteria still holds that this the right to vote doesn't mean you have to make the vote absolutely the easiest thing in the world to do. You know, if you want to exercise your Second Amendment rights, you got to earn money and buy a gun. The government does not issue you one because you have a right to keep and bear arms. In the same way, the right to vote. We don't have to make it so easy uh, so that the, the vote fraud is easy. Okay? So if that means driving to a polling place during a month, I don't care if you have a month of early voting. I don't care. As long as the ballots are kept in one secure location, they're counted where cast, and you can count the paper ballots manually, untouched, after the tabulating machines only have counted them. That would make for a safe election. That's all I'm saying. When they had paper ballots, that's how they done it. And the, the ballots can be counted. You had three people. The first person received it, the second and third person. After an hour, they compare their tally and make sure that they're in line. If not, mm-hmm. the ballots is right there, right there yep. for the last mm-hmm. hour. Yep. 
Besides, and if ballots are moved, the ballots that leave one location, there's no guarantee that the same ballots are going to get to the next location. It's not easy. It's not that hard to switch a bag. You know, or have a bunch of people show up at night. Oh, here are your ballots. You know, you got an out-of-state license plate on your pickup truck. Oh, uh, don't worry about that. You know, never mind. <laughs> you know, shiny object over here. Here's well, the, the ballots. So yeah, vote well, cards so, too Well, easy. that is the bigger. Well, that is the bigger problem right now that we do have. Is um, uh, is what is happening in the rest of the states that is different than Florida? Florida had a hundred percent of their vote in within three hours of the of of. Pensacola closing, Pensacola mm-hmm. Central Time versus the rest of Florida's uh, Eastern Time. So mm-hmm. we actually, in three hours of us closing, you know, four hours of the East Coast closing, we had 100% in. When I went mm-hmm. to bed around midnight last night, Massachusetts still only had 20% of the vote in. Well, that's a so, cheating so state. What is- Florida, Florida's not a cheating state. By you know, It used to be. I don't know what DeSantis has done or Ashley Moody have done, but between the two of them, you know, the cheating in Florida is way down. Now, what percentage of people early vote in Florida? I bet you it's pretty high. Sixty percent. If you have public ex- public executions, that's why that's what he does. <laughs> <laughs> Where did that come from? It's not even on the ballot, but it's an well, interesting no, idea. I mean, well, I mean, you know, I mean, he's right. I mean, he, he, uh is exactly right. I mean, DeSantis called out many people who he felt was committing fraud, and he wasn't yeah. afraid to say their name. You well, know, when we them. had Rick Scott. We had Rick no, he Scott, fired. Bush. He fired they election commissioners. Afraid. Yeah, they Correct. fired election commissioners too. So he actually did his job. But here's what's yeah. fascinating about Florida. There's a couple of things fascinating. One is the fact that that Miami now is overwhelmingly conservative. I think that the new conserv- Hispanic conservatives are going to save this country because we've got an entirely new you know generation or two of Hispanic conservative Americans, which is fabulous. Miami used to be a Democrat stronghold. Miami has a conservative Hispanic mayor. And, uh, you know, all the Cubans and everybody else has come here. The, the, the Americans that love freedom are coming to Florida. And this mass migration, I was scared, as we all were, that all the people coming to Florida would bring their Marxism with them from New York and California and, you know, all the other states. Apparently, that's not happening. The people that are leaving are the ones that, uh, that want, to have, want to be free. So Florida is intensely conservative compared to what it was, you know, earlier before the mass migration here. That's fascinating, which leads to my last point. Did all the voters that would have voted for Lee Zeldin in New York, did the hell move to Florida? And that's why you lost. <laughs> that's just a, well, actually, you know. actually, actually, that's my last point that um, oh, okay. you're stealing my talking point. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I, I didn't mean to. Go ahead. I think that uh, it's, I Bill's think that, um, it's Bill's. It's my talking Everybody's point. I have it in writing with the date stamp has it on in writing. Facebook. He said it before I did. <laughs> Bill takes credit. Go ahead, Bill. Let's hear your talking no, uh, point. No, but but uh, no, honestly though, I mean, if, if you look at you know, um, you know our pediatric clinic here in Pensacola, we have mm-hmm. a lot of new patients. They're coming from Oregon. They're coming from California, uh, Texas, uh, Pennsylvania. Um, you're looking at states that are in a dogfight right now with a, a Republican just slightly behind. Um, and is that did that hurt? all the Republicans leaving those states and coming to Florida. Uh, we I see that yes. it helped. Yeah. And, and, yeah, because it helped DeSantis in a blowout and Rubio in a blowout. No one predicted mm-hmm. Rubio to be in a blowout. Mm-hmm. Uh, but did it actually hurt? And it kind of goes along the same lines. I'll speak about it with this. Did the polls get it so wrong because they were calling Republicans that had actually moved already? 
could be. I think the polls yes, probably so. being the polls don't report election stuff anymore. The polls are basically adjuncts of the parties. I think they are driven by by party politics. I think they ask questions designed to get a predetermined result. I don't put much faith in the polls at all. I don't think they're they're not what they used to be. Bill. No, they, they are. They were so horrible this time. I mean, you know, me and you quoted them, and we talked about adjustments uh, mm-hmm. that you know uh, that we that we felt were made. Um, even with those adjustments went the wrong direction this time. Um, yeah. You know, uh, we, we predicted about five or six points really for Republicans would end up being five or six points for the Democrats. Well, we uh, thought the it, country it, was so just, bad that people would take into account that the country is so bad right now and the policies suck, and they would do something about it. Pianki, what was your point? So, I agree. I absolutely agree. And as far as the, the conservatives moving from middle space, I don't blame them. I move too. It's the same way with your children. Why would you keep your kids in a classroom where they're being depressed and not being challenged? Yeah. That's why homeschools are right. Well, it's true. Nope. And, uh, you know, you, you know I, going back to your uh, question about is the economy that really that bad, um, you're talking about, you know, we, we live in a little bubble here in Florida because we kind of live in our own little paradise. Uh, but in other states, you know, they're still getting a lot higher unemployment benefits. Um, they're getting, you know, are they state or federal? Transfer- they have to be state benefits. I think the federal uh, ones are well, over. State. Uh, unemployment, right. unemployment state. Right. So, you know, so they're getting the higher unemployment, where unemployment benefits here, it doesn't matter how much you make, you're going to get $250 a week uh, regardless, hmm. where other states is a percentage of what you were making before. Right. Um, so, you know, so you got you got those people, um, and you got to work at home. Uh, you know, we're seeing a rise of really – mental issues in other states that you don't see here in Florida. Um, and we kind of forget, you know, we, well, just the mental issue of this transgender, this uh, muti- uh, child mutilization. Oh, uh, Frankenstein using, medicine? I call it Frankenstein yeah. medicine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's and, and, that and term. We're seeing this, and we're seeing this in other states. Um, it's just, it's ridiculous. And here in Florida, we're, we've put a stop to it. Um, and DeSantis says, no, you will not do it. Um, so, you know, you got, the, you got that issue. But, you know, and one of the issues Dick Morris did mention last night that, you know, really does make a lot of sense. DeSantis mm-hmm. and Rubio had a plan. They told their citizens what their plan was, what was their vision for Florida. Yeah. And, and it resonated with the people. Mm-hmm. Dr. Oz, Masters. Um, Laxdahl, um, you know, all they did was run on not being a Democrat. And See, it's the same problem. You, yeah, you got to have something to vote for. And these people don't, you know, yeah. you're absolutely right. You've got something to vote for. Well, see, now, how much of this is because how much of them got Republican political consultants, which, which suck? I mean, they just absolutely <laughs> suck, you know, uh, when it comes to elections. And how much is, well, like you say, Mitch McConnell, I think what Mitch is doing, Mitch hates Trump. He hates Trump supporters. He hates Trump candidates who are endorsed. Yep. He's got a real problem with Donald Trump. And this, the party has to resolve this you know, by 2023 if they're ever going to succeed in 2024 on, on both the presidential and the, the congressional level. Because I think Trump's going to walk away with the presidency in 2024. Um, but uh, the Congress, you know, without the Congress, he'll never get anything done you know, to really fix the country. Yeah. Well, you're right. And McConnell, McConnell really is the problem, and they have to figure out a way to get rid of him one way or another. Why well, um, not vote him? What not, are the citizens of a state stop voting for him? Once out. again, you know, when she, you know uh, last night, um, 
only two incumbents lost. Every other incumbent won big. Uh-huh. Um, it, and it, yeah, it's it, which you would think at this point everyone was so mad about what happened during COVID, mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. just kind of goes to show that how weak-minded people truly are, and people are not like us. Yeah, you know, I talk to people inside my office. Mm-hmm. Um, who have been lifelong registered Democrats, and we've flipped a couple of them. Uh, but then they still mm-hmm. would be, you know, you know, but they're still kind of on the fence when they hear something on the TV or radio because they don't follow it. So if they hear something negative, they automatically assume the worst. And it's like, okay, well, he kind of scares me a little bit, so I'm going to stick with what I know. It's the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. And yeah, with the Democrats, they... I think Go ahead, keep going. I'm sorry. I'll tell you, I think with the Democrats, that's kind of what it is on a certain aspect, because we have a bunch of first-time people running. Masters, right. never held an office before. Walker, yep. never held an office before. Walker, to me, is not a good candidate. Um, Why you know, is that? You know, Dr. Dr. Oz is not a good candidate. No, I agree with you um, on Oz. JD, I'm curious about uh, yeah. Walker, though. Walker is, you know, he, he did uh, project a vision somewhat. But he mm-hmm. still ran off of being a Donald Trump guy, and he ran off of not being a Democrat. Um, you know, but he he just didn't project himself properly, uh, mm-hmm. and I don't think that has, I think that just shows inexperience. Not that he's a not, when I say bad candidate, I'm not saying his policies are bad or anything like that. He just didn't. He wasn't. Yeah, but how can he couldn't beat Warnock? Warnock is a corrupt Democrat slumlord. How can you not beat him? Because Georgia's is another corrupt state. You know, Atlanta yeah, has true. been corrupt for so many years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, and that's the thing that, like I said, we have to get out of our bubble and stop thinking logically because that's Americans true. don't think logically. They think emotionally. And right mm-hmm. now the liberals have been beaded into their head that if you are not for climate change, if you're not for an abortion, if you're not for mutilating children, then there is something seriously wrong with you. And you and you know, and we're going to demonize you. If you're not for the absurdities, if you're not for the the crazy stuff, yeah, it's fascinating. Well, um, do you ever ask people? And this is something I've been thinking about too. It's like I'll, I ask people, where were you in you know 2017 through 2019 when gas was a dollar eighty five? When we had a great foreign policy? When we had the Abraham Accords? When we had limited spending? When the lobbyists didn't have as much influence? We talked about that I think uh, yesterday. You know, when uh, we had a foreign policy? When we had uh, North Korea not shooting missiles? Where were all of you when all that wonderful stuff was going on? When we had a border wall being constructed? When the Keystone Pipeline was being constructed? When we had energy independence? Did all you people forget that? You know, and it's when you're missing you're missing the oh. bigger point here. OK, Which you're is? missing the fact of what, oh, what I just stupid. said here. Yeah. People are stupid, but uh, the people who no are voting and yeah. the people who, you know, who cares about the Keystone Pipeline when you live in a big city and you don't own a car? I yeah. you know. If oh, you I see. Don't, you don't own a car. So who cares how much gas prices are? I care about my environment. You know, so I, all I see is smog in my big in city. city. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so, you know, well, so and, they don't and care, don't... and that's where the money comes from. Yeah. Here's what people don't understand. Uh, the big cities are supported by the, the suburbs and the rural communities, especially the farmers. 
you know, like in California, for example, I don't know how exactly it works in Florida, but we, I used to, you know, work in San Francisco and sometimes, you know, I have to take the BART, the Bay Area Rapid Transit, the subway. Well, that subway system in San Francisco was, was, was supported by taxpayers all over California. So farmers in Bakersfield and up the Central Valley and, you know, people uh, way up north in Redding you know, up near the Oregon border are supporting the, the San Francisco subway system. And even this, it's so corrupt. Almost all the drivers are making over 100000 a year with overtime, and they just stand there and watch the doors open and close. <laughs> you know, it's an amazing business. But how much of that happens in Florida? How much of the, the big cities supported by all the taxpayers throughout the state? You know, we could shut the big cities well, down if the states, if the, the local places could do, you know, if the legis- they directed their legislators to keep money, you know, more locally. And the, state should gen- the cities should generate their own funds. Well, they should, and they don't, because you're right. I mean, and that's why we have rush hour in big cities, why there's so much mm-hmm. traffic. And that's mm-hmm. people driving into the cities to work. Um, you, know, you, know, and, you know, I was in Chicago this past May, and mm-hmm. what I saw was no more traffic. I mean, I'm looking out the door at 730 in the morning on the highway uh, right mm-hmm. by a toll booth, and there was no traffic at all. And, wow. you know, and so you got a lot of this in yeah. Chicago. So, this was in Chicago. Um, oh. So now you got, you know, you got the, you know, uh, to go on top was of what I just said about. Was that during the lockdown? No, this or was, was that just this now? past May. This was oh, okay, this past May when the, no mask mandates or anything, oh. um, which, you know, we could get into also because we still got a bunch of goofballs driving around with masks on and no one else in the car. Um, and the windows up. Along, <laughs> yeah, and the windows up. Um, so, but, you know, going back to our thing, though, is that, so they, I don't care about gas prices because I either work at home and don't uh-huh. have to go anywhere, or I don't own a car to begin with because I live in a big city. That's yeah. a, that's a huge chunk of people in today's society. So gas prices yeah. are not as important as what people make it out to be. They're important to us in smaller towns because we don't have mass transportation and we rely on cars to get around. No, but inflation uh, but in is bigger- and food supply is. So if the gas price is too much, they may not pay the price of gas, but the trucker that brings food to their city supermarket does. So this, there is an effect. Great. It's not direct, great, but great, it's pretty great. close. What are you talking about? You, know, you, know, you keep talking about these farmers producing food and trucks. All you have to do is just go to the grocery store and get meat and uh, vegetables. Oh, I, I keep forgetting. I, that's know, right. That, that's, they're self-generating. Yeah. Go to the food, the yeah, Star Wars food processor. Yeah, that's how it works. Okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually pretty funny. I, what, but, I'm going to make Wendy's line live. She can join it, us for a minute. And that's the, whole, yeah. that's the whole problem is people are believing mm-hmm. this stupid rhetoric, and it's got to <laughs> stop at some point. And until the Republican Party can start controlling the narrative, which we've been talking about since we've been on the air, you know, five years, four years now, uh-huh. uh, you know, it's, it, it's got, it's, you know, we're going to continue to have stupidity. Well, what is the Republican narrative? See, I see it different than uh, what we think it should be. And Wendy's on the line too. So Wendy, feel free to, to jump in here. Um, but uh, the whole idea of America first is not a Republican party ideal. You look at the commitment with America that uh, that squishy little thing that uh, McCarthy came up with. And, and Scalise might challenge McCarthy if, if they don't get a whole bunch of Republican uh, you know, folks uh, added to the House, which would be great. I wish he'd challenge him anyway, because uh, I want to get McCarthy out of there. But the Republican Party does not stand for America first. Trump does, and Trump supporters do. I mean, what does the Republican Party stand for? You know, we're not Democrats? That's not good enough. It, well, you're right. So, it's not good enough, but that is exactly what the message is right now. And, it, and, it, it, and, until, and that's what made Trump so... Uh, such a great candidate was he had a vision for America 
and yep. people bought into it till the news no, got a hold of it. Trump. We believed it. There's a difference. Yeah. We just buy into it. Sounds like we're idiots. I'm just teasing you. But uh, yeah. Huh. <laughs> but yeah, so, so I'll let you, you guys have, have a good rest of the show. And then next okay. week, uh, we focus on 2024. Yeah, the election starts today. Hey, congratulations, everybody. 2024 campaign starts today. Let's get going. <laughs> have a good show. See you, Wendy. I mean, Bill. Sorry. I'm thinking Wendy because I'm trying to look for her, her theme right here. Bye, Bill. The lovely and talented Bill Fetke. We'll be back next week at this time. Here we go. Do you really want the truth? Do you have questions you can't ask in church? Welcome to the Oh My God Report. Wendy Arthur is more concerned with truth than propaganda, putting more value in scripture than religion, and more about you and your relationship with God than your membership in any church. This is Christianity with a Kick. This is why I'm so glad we don't edit the show, because all my stupid, goofy mistakes... They stick around for a while. That makes the show fun. Good morning, Wendy. Good morning. <laughs> so I bet you had a busy night. Uh, actually, no. Uh, strange enough, I was really tired. I mean, I normally, you know, practice guitar. I probably should have. Um, but I sort of, for, I was foregoing my guitar practice to watch the election. But it, it turned out quite boring. Uh, I figured, you know what? There's nothing dramatic going to happen until late tonight, and I'll, I'll pick it up tomorrow morning. But I was disappointed um, just because it was, you know, I didn't think it was going to be the big red wave everybody else thought. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's go. And I knew something was wrong when they weren't campaigning for a two-thirds majority. If, they, if the Republicans really believed there's going to be a huge majority of Republicans, they would have said, let's go for two-thirds. Let's, two-thirds. let's go for something veto-proof because that's the only way they're going to have any effect. So the only reason, the only thing that, there, that the GOP can do, taking both houses, uh, is stop Brandon. Uh, they're not going to get anything through because Brandon's going to stop them. So the Senate can stop really horrible Supreme Court appointments like the last one that Brandon had. And the House can stop, uh, you know, ridiculous spending, you know, in the trillions upon trillions of dollars, which is what caused dollar inflation. And they can start investigations. So if that happens, if the Senate goes Republican and they stop bad Supreme Court appointments and the House goes Republican and they actually have real investigations, I mean, real investigations uh, and uh, and stop the spending, then uh, that would be enough for now, because the real change has to happen in 2024 with Trump and a Republican Congress. Or we're just going to spin our wheels and, you know, go nowhere. Well, I, I will agree with um, most of that, but <laughs> I, I still believe we're going to be in before 2024. Say that again. I, I still believe we're going to see. I still believe we're going to see Trump in before 2024. Well, that sounds good to me. But you have to. If you're going to do that, though, you have to have Trump come in at a time when he can still run in 2024. Now, I've got a plan for that. What's your plan? And I'll tell you my plan. <laughs> you, you have a plan. <laughs> of course, I do. I always have a plan. You, you show well, me your plan. God's I'll tell you my plan. plan already in place. So. <laughs> okay. Well, God, God's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. There's the, the 22nd yeah. Amendment, I think it is, which says that if you serve less than uh, uh, two terms, less than two terms, uh, excuse me, less than two years, there we go. If you serve less than two years, um, then that doesn't count as a full term and you can run again. It doesn't count as your two years of limitation. So a president can serve two terms in a row or two terms, really. Uh, and then, uh, so in other words, if Trump takes office January 21st of 2023, Okay, next year. If he takes office on the 20th, it'll be two, it'll be two years because the next inauguration is on the 20th. But if he takes office January 21st or later, he will not have served two full years of that term, and he can run again in 2024. It won't count. So he'll get one day less than half of his, uh, his term back, uh, and then he'll get um, 
and then you can still run again in 2024. Yep. What's your plan? I don't have a plan. Um, you know, scripture says uh, I don't mess with things too high for me. So. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me, let me get that. Hang on a second. Hello, Action Radio. God? Yes, God. Yes, what's up? Oh, your plan's better? Just wait for it? Okay, fine. Thanks very much. God says to wait for his plan. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> God has a direct connection to Action Radio. I want you to know that. Yeah. Yes, we're the only show in the world with, with a God phone. <laughs> what's that? Yeah. Yeah. I, said, I said, I feel sorry for Pionki's cat. You just terrorized him again. No, I turned it down. <laughs> the, the first time was too loud. See, all my sound effects come in too loud until I turn them down. Uh, so that's yeah. uh, and I keep forgetting to do that until I play it and go oh it's like the gong the first time I played the gong it was so loud and it's like what, what's that Greg so I said oh <laughs> wrong volume anyway so so uh, yeah okay. so so what's the plan what's uh, what's your take on the election and what's uh, what what does scripture say about where we are yeah well I I have to confess something um, <laughs> oh uh, do I need a confessional yeah, no no I, I don't Hill need Mary's a confessional and, uh, you know? Okay, fine, that's right. Yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> um, God rebuked me hard um, the other day. What'd you do? And, um, well, it, it, it was about my mouth. And because God is really, really um, big about what comes out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with all the election stuff and I'm in trouble then. I do a three-hour talk show. Jeez. <laughs> And, and, and all the stupidity that has been going on, you know, sometimes it just gets to me. And I, and then I start saying things um, out, out of my emotions, my soul realm instead of my spirit realm. Uh-oh. And, I think um, I know what's coming. But and, anyway, and, feel free to share. And, it's just us. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so God took me to the woodshed. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I said, you know what? So it was on my heart this morning that maybe I should um, – because I don't want anybody else to get in trouble. So mm-hmm. I, I'm going to go ahead and just you know, confess and, and share what the God and what God uh, has done and, and, and some scriptures about um, what comes out your mouth and, um, and, and why that's important, but not just what comes out of your mouth, but um, anytime God corrects you, mm-hmm. um, it does not, um, it's not a joyful moment. <laughs> it, it, it broke my heart because I was not, Aww. you know, sensitive to the Lord and um and and not because what he said was, was harsh or or mean or anything like that but you know just that you know my God that I love so much had to rebuke me that I, I was I was so not in tune with him um that that he had to rebuke me so well that book you know heart. you're not perfect and and still we're on a path we're not on you know we're not we, we don't get there <laughs> That's the that's the that's well, the crazy well, part. No, as long but, as we're here, we're you know. The way you get there is is to receive correction and understand why. Because you know, God never corrects you, you know, because he, you know you did. It's just some random bad mood event, you know. He corrects mm-hmm. you for a purpose, and and it's for our our good. And mm-hmm. so it doesn't feel good at the time, you know. <laughs> it broke my well, heart. Well, no, I mean but, uh, nobody likes criticism, I, I, and, you I, know. It's no, just, but, but, you know. but, well, and, and there's a difference between criticism and correction. Um, there, like there's a difference between punishment and discipline, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, I just kind of wanted to share about this this morning, uh, because especially with everything going on in the world, 
Um, I wanted to share some scriptures about discipline and correction and why it's important for us to receive that um, if it's if it's due, right? So Proverbs 12.1 says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid um, because it's to your own detriment if you do not receive correction and discipline. There is a reason um, why those things are in place. And usually it's something that we've done um, said first. Before we do something, it usually comes out of our mouth. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and which involves your thought processes and your brain and, and how you're thinking. And really what comes out of your mouth is what is in your heart. And so it's really a heart problem because it's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So James 3, 9 through 10 says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. So that, that was what the Lord was kind of you know, talking to me about is, is you know, my mouth. And, and he loves, even though they are evil and wicked, he loves them and wants them to repent. He is so gracious and merciful. He, anybody can repent, truly repent, and, and be forgiven and be accepted into the family. And, and that's hard for me sometimes because, you know, sometimes I really, really want them. <laughs> if they're just rewards. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so that's not the heart of God. <laughs> so I just, exactly. You know, yeah. and it's, it's Careful what you wish for. Be reminded. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes God will give you the things you wish for and say, see, told you. <laughs> now what yeah, are you going to do? That's that's yeah. very true. Oh yeah. And so, um, and so they said a lot of people say, well, you know, God's supposed to be love and and all that kind of stuff, and just kind of forgive you whatever you do, and and like, hello, what what gospel are mm-hmm. you reading? Because <laughs> well, if you have good parents, they love you, but they'll still not... punish you and take away stuff if you're you know to to help you. They're not doing it just just out of fun. But uh, yeah, so well, this is the same, I look yeah. at it the same kind well, of way. So you know, we're going to make you better. We're going to make it better, Wendy. Yes. Yeah, yes. And, and this is what it's about because I don't want anybody to ever think that just because I'm doing the Oh My God report that I have arrived, right? That I have, I've got it all together and everything is yeah. just hunky-dory. No, you know, I am his child. And so, um, and how do you know that? And everybody says, well, everybody's a child of God. No, that is not true. That yeah. is a lie from the pit of hell and it smells like smoke. No, that is. Let me say that again. It is not true. Just because you are living and breathing does not make you a child of God. If you have become a follower of Christ for you and your sin on the cross, that makes you a child of God and nothing else. So there's, there's, you know, you can be a child of the universe if you want to, but you know, the universe is not God. God created the universe. So let's just get that straight right up front. So how do you really know if you're really a child? So. Hebrews 12, 5 through 8 says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son or daughter. He just wants to throw that out there. When he says son, it's, it's accumulated with everybody, sons and daughters. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children, or what mm-hmm. children are not disciplined by their father. If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. 
So if you're just going through life doing whatever you want and there's never any repercussions, there's never any consequence and nobody's ever correcting you or rebuking you, you better be scared because you are not a child of God. He will create, correct those who are his because he wants the best for them. Huh. So that's just a little litmus test for you right there. No, um, it, it, it's quite fascinating, you know, that um, – um, I, was trying, I was thinking something while you were talking, but uh, it's like uh, I had a conversation with someone the other day about um, parents who let their kids do anything. And, uh, about, I think it was actually it was Brianna when we had uh, our government inquiry report. We spent, she was on four hours yesterday. 16-year-old kid, she's on four hours of action radio. It was, it was pretty wild. So the first and the fourth hour. But we're talking about freedom. And she's talking about, uh, you know, and we got into to parents and kids and stuff. And that parents, you know, let the kids do anything. And they think that's freedom. And we got under discussion, no, it's not freedom. Freedom requires, you know, freedom for us in society requires certain laws. You know, you cannot be free right. if anybody can grab your stuff and kill you. So you need laws to protect life and you need laws to protect property. But you don't need laws for the government right. to control every aspect of what you're doing. So parents in the same way. You want to give kids, you know, freedom to, to explore, to grow up and, uh, and do really incredible things. But they have to have guidelines in order to do that. They can't be free to do anything. You know, otherwise they'll eat, you know, marshmallows all day, 24 hours a day, you know, or the, whatever they will do, they will, commit, they will shoplift, you know, because, well, you've never told them it's wrong, you know. So you need certain um, disciplines in order to do that. But freedom comes from discipline. Freedom comes, this is what we were concluding yesterday, freedom comes from a certain framework. And then with the, and the society or the world as a whole, you've got the Ten Commandments. You've got a moral code. That moral code has to have an influence on government. So the whole idea of church, separation of church and state, uh, and state is absurd. Because they have no moral framework from which to operate if there's a complete separation of church and state, and they become their own God. They become like the wayward children that are allowed to do anything they want. So you're making a really valid point here, and uh, it, it makes sense. So, so on, on the personal level for you, yeah, you're getting corrected, but that ultimately is for your freedom. That's how I see it. Yes, it is. Yes, okay. it is, because God doesn't want any of us in bondage, and that includes to our mouth. Because hmm. Yeah, hmm. what we speak with our mouth uh, is every word is a seed. Every word is a seed. And you are going to reap a crop, a whole crop. Not, you're not going to get one seed back for one seed planted. You get a crop back for every seed planted. So you're either going to get a good crop or you're going to get a bad crop. <laughs> so, yeah, I got a lot of crops out there then, apparently. A lot of seeds. There you go. And, okay. and so he doesn't want us reaping a bad crop, a, a, hmm. a, a life of hardship and trouble and, and all kinds of stuff. He doesn't want mm-hmm. us going through that. So plant good seeds. You know, watch what comes out of your mouth. And that yeah. doesn't mean, you know, you have to, you know, talk about unicorns and rainbows. You know, <laughs> it, it's, you, know you, you, can, you can speak a truth that is hard, but... It's truth, and, and eventually that, you know, brings somebody into freedom. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's not just, you know, oh, la-di-da, and it's, that's not it. Be real and, and talk, to, you know, speak the truth, but speak it in love and make sure that what you're speaking is the truth and, and for the good of all. Um, who, yeah. Anyway, the good of all who will listen because you aren't responsible for their response. You're responsible for, for putting the truth out there. Mm-hmm. So. Just yeah. that out. So that makes sense too. And, um, and so, we talk about. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead and finish your thought. Okay, because we talk about rights, you know, and there's a difference between uh, the right as it exists in the absolute, you know, the right to keep and bear arms, the right to uh, free speech, the right to, uh, you know, practice religion without government interference. But what people forget is that the right, 
you know, ceases to be absolute when you start to use it because there are legal and illegal ways and good and bad ways to, to use rights, you know, in, in speech. We have the absolute right of free speech. The government cannot, you know, preemptively restrict your free speech. However, if you say some really horrible stuff, you might have a libel suit slammed on you. Or if you threaten a public official, you know, you're going to end up in jail. You know, so there are, but, but that's mm-hmm. still speech. So, so do we have an absolute right to free speech? It depends. It, you know, uh, yes, in the absolute, before you've spoken, sure, the government cannot preemptively restrict it. But once you've spoken, you're responsible for it. And in the same way, I think that's, that's what you're saying. So that you have an absolute right of free speech and you used it. And then God said, eh, well, let's, let's talk here. <laughs> you know, and so that makes sense. Same thing with yes. guns. People think, uh, oh, you don't have a right to, to carry guns because, you know, you might kill somebody. Uh, no, you do have a right to own and carry firearms. But once you decide to use them, now you're in a different realm. And I think that difference, the difference between the right itself or, or the uh, – you know, the, the endowment from God itself is different from the, the, how you use it. And that's your choice and how you use it. And that's where the discipline comes in. Do you have the discipline to use your choice wisely? Or do you, or do you have a lack of discipline where you're going to abuse it? And there's going to be consequences, even though you had the right to do it before you did it. Does that make sense? Which brings me to my next point. That was oh, perfect. what a segue. We didn't practice so, this, folks. We don't rehearse <laughs> this ahead of time. Okay? Just in case anybody's wondering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Wendy, back to you. Um, okay. <laughs> Because the whole purpose of discipline and correction mm-hmm. is wisdom. That mm. is the purpose of it. Okay. Um, Proverbs three eleven through 18, this, it, and it describes it perfectly. It says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father of the son he delights in. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. Or she is, and scripture talks about wisdom as being a, 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 in a feminine form, calls her, calls her she. Um, of course for it she does. is more profitable. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> for, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She huh. is more, she, wisdom, is more okay. precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. Are we not all looking for financial provision and peace and wisdom? I mean, aren't, isn't that something that would benefit everyone? Mm-hmm. And that's what wisdom does. Discernment and wisdom and understanding. All these things God prizes above silver and gold and rubies. So, um, you know, and, and he, he uses those terms because that's things that we value here on earth. So, well, not everybody, because I've always valued wisdom. I mean, if I valued money, I might actually have some. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd have, you know, I would have done the the corporate thing. I would have, you know, bought the the the, the corporate car, or I would have lived the the traditional normal lifestyle. I didn't. I've always valued wisdom. I've always valued experience. You know, I've traveled on, you know, bargain. You know, I'd rather spend uh, three months living on a train uh, than having a luxury high rise apartment. I don't care about that. You know, so so wisdom and experience that. and I've always been much more valuable to me. I'd also rather have a jet than a house. And people think I'm really screwed up over that, but I'll explain that one another time, but it's the experience. It's the freedom. I'd rather have the freedom of flying a jet upside down than have a luxury house. If I have a luxury house, I have to take care of it. I have to hire people to clean it up and polish the marble and brass and, you know, stuff like that. I need that. I have to have landscapers. As you know, know, Greg, yes, ma'am. As you know, you are not the normal person. So uh, the, the, the typical person living on planet Earth today uh, wants, you know, money and lots of it and all the nice things. Um, and there's nothing wrong with wanting those things. 
um, mm-hmm. as long as you are not valuing those things above what God values. So, and how you get them. How you get them counts. Yeah, yes, I want some yes, nice and, things, and too. And how you get them really counts. <laughs> Yeah, but not a whole lot. I mean, you know, exactly. Yeah, but that's that's the difference. But uh, I still the things that I, you know I want guitars because I like playing music. So it's it's the it's the doing that I value, not not the having and and you know leaving in the guitar rack. Right. You know, it's the convertible, the well, sports yeah. car that I value to show people. No, because I like the wind in my hair. You know, so it, it, the right. accumulation well, of property. And how God looks at that. Uh huh. Yeah, God says, own things, own lots of things if you want to, just mm-hmm. don't let them own you. Yep. You know, so I don't yeah. have a problem. You know, people just scream and holler and have a fit about preachers or Christians who have lots of money. Mm-hmm. And they really have a problem with that. But, you know, if, if, if they write a book and it becomes a bestseller and they're making millions off of this bestselling book, that is just horrible. It, they should not have that money. Let mm-hmm. Stephen King write a horror book and it sells billions. Oh, that's mm-hmm. fine. You know, no. Yeah. <laughs> no God well, says, it's almost you know, like you have to, to. I want you financially secure. Yeah, you have to prove your worth to serve. I noticed that is one of the reasons I uh, switched from from my my liberal upbringing um, to be more conservative, and now you know, constitutional independent. I mean, I think conservatives are a bunch of leftists, but that's another story. Um, because you have to prove <laughs> your worth to serve. No, it's fascinating. Washington, I was there on an internship, and the liberals, you know, you had to prove your worth. You had to suffer for the cause. You had to live sparsely. You had to be good enough to, to be, you know, a leftist advocate. And they actually believe that. You know, I think that's part of the tax the rich thing, because just the fact that they're rich makes them a lower level human being. You know, I mean, I saw a lot of leftist lawyers that were living in poverty and wearing old clothes. And you know, I said, but it's for the cause. You know, working 20 hours a day or something stupid like that, it's for the cause. It's okay. You have to suffer. And if you're going to work for the cause, you have to suffer as much as they do or you're not worthy of serving the cause. It's a really screwed up logic. But I have no problem with, uh, you it know, really getting is. my jet and my convertible. <laughs> and Yeah, it is. But, I, you know, see, I don't see the accumulation of property as a problem. I see as long as the method of accumulation and the use of that property, you know, is, is for a it's decent legal. purpose. And that purpose could be just fun. But you're not, if you're not exploiting yeah. everybody and, and, you know, you're not, you know, screwing over your employees so you can buy, you know, a Ferrari, that's a whole different thing. Then it goes to your personal motivations right. and that makes all the difference. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So when I fly in and, and well, you know, whisk you out of Tennessee and we start looping and rolling, you know, over your house at a safe altitude, FAA, <laughs> you know, with appropriate safety equipment <laughs> and proper clearance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'll say, did, did I ever send you the video of my jet, my proposed, you know, Action Radio 1? No. I'll, I'll send it to you. All right. Okay. Just, just uh, yeah. Okay. So you, you, you think God's going to get, you're going to get in trouble for what you say, you know, what you said last time. Wait, wait till we see what, what, you, what God thinks of what you say when you're upside down at 500 miles an hour. Actually, I have been in an open cockpit biplane. Well, good that for you. Did rolls and and uh, and I was like, holy moly, because there's do? there's nothing like knowing that only that one little seat belt is going to hold you in there. <laughs> yeah, especially when you're hanging upside down for any length of time. For those that have never, this is a bucket list item. Okay, I've never had a desire to skydive because I don't, you know, that point between you know falling and opening the chute, I, I really didn't want to go through that. Um, yes. <laughs> just in case that second part doesn't happen. Yeah, exactly. But an airplane. Perfectly good airplane. <laughs> exactly. Why would you? Leave? Exactly. Why would anybody leave? You know, God gave you an airplane. What are you crazy? The, the, there's wings. There's laws of physics. They work. Okay. Anyway, so what kind of plane? Do you remember what plane you were in? Um, a small one. I don't. I don't. 
small one. Open cockpit biplane, so whatever. Probably a Spearman. Those are. Yeah, yeah, I went in a Spearman. Okay. It's, 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 the the Spearman's the plane they used to train the World War uh, II pilots before they got to uh, uh, the T-6, which was the Texan, and then they flew like the Mustangs and Thunderbolts and things like that. And so, but there's something about being, you want to talk about faith? <laughs> you know, this is yep. where your life is, is in the hands of the pilot. Because uh, I, I, I went, for when I went, I was not a commercial pilot, aerobatic instructor or anything like that. I actually went before I went to flight school. And I did it for the sole reason that I never wanted to be afraid in an airplane with a student. So I told the pilot, uh, uh, who owns is the Vintage Aircraft Company in Sonoma, California. It's a wonderful place to go. They've got an old P-40 now, um, a, a Kitty Hawk, a Flying Tigers airplane. Anyway, so I'm on the old Stearman, yep. and I, I told him before the flight, I, I told him, I said, I'm going to flight school. I never want to be scared with a student. I said, show me everything. Big grin comes on his face. He says, everything? I said, yeah, everything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, you asked for it. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, we we had this signal thing, right? Where you, uh, you know, we, you, he does an airbag routine, and then he looks at you in a little mirror, and there's a mirror between the front seat and the back seat. And if you had that, you're probably in the steerman also. And so you can you can you know thumbs up or you can turn green. Well, you know, I learned a long time ago on an airplane, if you completely relax, the g forces don't affect you. Put your head against the headrest, completely relax, go where the air, airplane goes, and you'll be perfectly fine. So after he loops and rolls and flips around, and the world was spinning around the airplane several times, you know, he stops, levels out. I look in the mirror. He's looking at me, and I'm like, thumbs up. <laughs> he goes, okay. <laughs> so he dives down even faster this time and really whoops the airplane around. You know, I'm like, I'm totally relaxed. I'm watching this going. This is, like, really cool, right? And so then we, we, we do our, our round of aerobatics, and then he levels out again. And then he, he looks at me, and I look at him. I go, thumbs up. <laughs> Let's do more. <laughs> and you can see him going, oh, geez. He rolls his eyes. I go, what more can I do this guy, right? So he dives down even <laughs> faster this time. It, it just, I don't know where we went, but it, it happened faster. And uh, at the end of it, I guess that was it for, for that time. And I'm still thumbs up. You know, I'm still like, let's do more. <laughs> you know? And he says, no, we got to land. And it gives me the landing signal, hand signal, whatever that was. I'm, oh, okay, fine. My, my friends on the ground who wanted to see if I'd actually do this uh, were there. So I can't believe what you guys did. Nobody else is doing that kind of stuff. I said, well, I asked for it. And, you know, and Chris is like, it was pretty good. <laughs> you know, Chris Prevost is his name. Amazing pilot. Really cool guy. I hope he still has it. Um, this is years ago. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's my experience. So I had faith in the airplane. I had faith in God. I had faith in the fact that this is the right thing to do. And just, I completely re- relaxed and went with it. And that's kind of how I'm doing action radio now, metaphorically. It's the same kind of thing. I got the seatbelt. I'm okay. You know, I'm all strapped in. And uh, what do you got? Let's go. Thumbs up. You know, so it's kind of interesting. Let's, let's go into the adventure of the wild blue yonder and see where it goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this adventure is going to lead to uh, – you know, but I, I need enough income and listeners to be able to purchase my jet and, and take other people and have them, you know, share that experience. And so I see not, there's no conflict for me whatsoever about accumulating property, doing a good job and fighting for freedom. You know, so to me, there's, yeah. there's you know, and that you shouldn't have to. Well, is there something in scripture on this? Is there something or where did this belief come from that if you're doing good things, you know, you have to suffer in order to do good things? I've never believed that. Well, that was really started by the Catholic Church. Um, oh. yeah, and to this day, yeah, nuns and priests have to take vows of poverty. Right. Why? Meanwhile, the Pope lives in absolute splendor with oh, I've been to billions of, of artwork and everything in, in their basement of the Vatican. So. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've been to the Vatican. <laughs> Vatican's like, you know, not a bad residence for, for its own country. Do you know what really... Yeah. What really um, got me uh, the hypocrisy of the Vatican is they still have collection boxes. Here's one of the most opulent places in the world 
I was there Easter Sunday yeah. when Pope John Paul was giving a uh, the, the benediction or the, the whatever the service he was holding. I mean, I was lucky enough to be there when John Paul was there. This is back in '82, and uh, I got right. there to uh, uh, Rome Easter Sunday morning. <laughs> That's another story too. Um, <laughs> no, well, there's no place to stay right because it's Easter, so there's no place. There's no little guest houses. Right. So I, I stood in the middle of the street that had guest houses, and I put my backpack down and I said, "Help! I need a place to stay." And I'm screaming this at the top of my lungs. Little kid comes up like a minute later, you know, grabs my pant leg and says, you know, gives a little motion, come with me, you know, yeah. and it's like, buongiorno, this way, American, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, and there was like one bed left in this room with 10 beds. So here I'm with like 10 strange guys, you know, and it's like, but I got to Rome and I got to stay there. Yeah, the the yeah. yeah, it was a hostel. It was great. It was fabulous anyway. But the thing that, that really horrified me and just in the hypocrisy of this opulent place had collection boxes. And people are still donating yeah. their last change and things. I said the Vatican, Vatican City does not need collection boxes. No, That's no, they don't. <laughs> they anyway. have their own bank. What does that tell you? Yeah, well, it's their own country. I think they have their own passports. Because Vatican City is its own nation. It's like Monaco. It's yeah. a separate country. You know, so so it's the only church. You want to talk about the separation, you know, the lack of separation of church and state. The church, that the Catholic Church is a state. It actually is a. Uh, you know, anyway, yeah. so, you know, we need to explore the Catholic Church more. We haven't really done that. We're at the end of the yeah. hour. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad we're at the end of my segment because I, I'm really tempted to let my mouth fly. So, <laughs> oh, go ahead, go ahead. I've got the I've got the phone ringer. I can I can uh, I can call God again. Yeah, well, he's got a direct line. He's listening. So, well, that's true too. Yes, God, we're just doing this for fun. You know, if you want to call me directly, just you yeah. know, speak in my head. It's okay. You've done it before, and I'm sure you'll do it again. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, do you, do you have to go an hour because we've got two hours, or do you, do you need to go for, for self-preservation? Yeah, I, yeah I, I've got uh, you know breakfast to make and all that kind of good stuff for oh, okay, my well, sweet different. baby. Okay, yeah, well, there you go. That makes perfect yep. sense. Hey, sweet baby. But, <laughs> Is he listening? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is sweet baby. I can't believe I did that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say? Okay. <laughs> He said, hey, Swaby, that sweet baby and, you know, condensed. <laughs> oh, okay. Swaby. Right back at you. The word. That'll, be like our, our, that'll be like our code word. Swaby. What's that? I don't know. It's a code word for Action Radio. Okay, fine. Well, let's, <laughs> let's do more on the Catholic Church. <laughs> In fact, we, I wouldn't be interesting to do comp- – what? What did I say? I'm sorry. Go ahead. God Hello? When do you- yeah, God loves Catholics too, Mike says. <laughs> God so loves I Catholics too? Because he does, you know. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, well, see, just because you, you you have error in your doctrine, um, you know, does not make your personal relationship invalid. So. Well, no, we should talk more about different religions. I'd be curious about uh, Eastern Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox versus you know Western Christianity, uh, Catholics versus Protestants versus you know why there's so many divisions of Christianity. You know, Congregationalists, Methodists, Baptists. You know, universalists or, or Unitarians or whatever. It's a, it's fascinating. We've been talking yeah, about church structures and stuff. A lot, of, a lot mm-hmm. of the misunderstanding of Scripture today, here in the Western world, is due to the cultural differences. Is because over in the the eastern part of the world, mm-hmm. the, in that whole hemisphere, the cultures and the the literal thousands and thousands of year history that they have um, has influenced and they understand scriptures. When when scripture references a certain custom or a certain thing 
they understand exactly what that means. Here in America, we're looking at it through our Western culture mindset, and it's, it's not what we think it is. It's not what it actually is. That's why it's so important to go back to the concordance, Strong's Concordance, and look things up in the Greek and the Hebrew and actually do some research on the culture of the day when it was written. It will give you insights that's going to go, oh, wow, didn't know that. Yeah, exactly. Didn't that's why that you're on the show. That meant. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, so, and here's yeah, a, here's the, a Here's a big question with a simple yet uh, detailed answer. The simple answer is a yes or no. The detailed answer would be several shows. Did the King James Bible damage Christianity? Maybe it's not Damage? So well, in other words, uh, is the transfer of language, the translation, the interpretations, you know, transferring the Hebrew and Greek to English, in the process of doing that, did they change the meaning so much of Scripture that it's actually hurt? you know, the original scriptures and her, the relationship of God, the Christianity is supposed to be. Um, I, I would have to say in, in some instances, yes, overall, not so much, but well, yeah, there are certain verses and, and passages yeah. mm-hmm. um, that our English language does not translate well to what, the the original meant because Greek and Hebrew those are those are two of the most exact languages in the world especially Greek. Okay. Oh, Mike wants to make a call in comment. <laughs> oh, oh, does he want the phone number? Does he want the phone ring? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's get the phone ring for Mike. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not. Hang on, Mike. Hang on. I got to find it here. This is you know I'm going to use this also for hotlines like when uh, when Trump calls us or anybody calls us. Wait a minute. Here we go. Hello, Mike. Go ahead. You're on. Oh, hello. (laughs) One of the ways that I view things like this is how hard does the enemy, which is Satan, how -hmm. hard does he fight you in anything you do? And when you look at the past of the Bible, like William Tyndale, do you know who William Tyndale is? I do not know. He's a, he was a man who was burned alive at the stake for translating the Bible in English. Hmm. In, into English. So the enemy was fighting hard against him because he didn't want that truth out. So that's how I kind of judge things from that perspective. How hard is your enemy fighting you on what you're doing? If he's hmm. not fighting you or giving you no resistance at all, and chances are what you're doing is not right. It's not of God. But if he's giving you all kind of resistance, it's of God. It's interesting that the, the Bible, resistance to freedom Bible, is so incredible. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. Hmm? What was going to say the resistance to freedom so by the I, left, I by the like Marxists? I feel like the modern English Bible yeah. uh-huh. is a good translation. Okay. That's my view. Well, that's good. that's good to know. You know, now was uh, I forgot his first name Tyndale. Was he burned the stake for translating Greek, Hebrew, or, or Latin? This, this sounds like a Catholic in, Inquisition kind of thing. So, I, you know, that's a good question, and I did know that, but I, if I answered it right now, I'd probably give you the wrong answer. Okay. But I would assume he uh, translated the Greek because that's the Septuagint Bible. That's the Greek translation of the Bible. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he was burned at the stake because he uh, just because he wrote some words. Yeah, it'd be interesting. So, also, that's, that's that's fascinating. I'm just thinking for Wendy too to go back over Greek and Roman uh, and Egyptian ancient uh, societies, the, the the Assyrians and, and Abyssinians and you know and Carthage and, and, and be yeah. and be curious, you know, pre-Christian times, pre-Jesus times, you know oh, how how God viewed those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We can branch out into yeah, that. It if would be. One. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Mike, it we might get you on the show more to too. Yeah, yeah. Huh? I said, well, Mike, we might get you more on the show as well. I mean, feel free. You're welcome anytime. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't have a lot to say, but I do have sometimes when I have okay. little comments come up that I would like to make because I love oh, the feel show. Free. I really do. Oh, good. Well, thank you. Any suggestions for me? Please feel free. In fact, if you need to talk, I'll just I'll just give you the the hotel bell. A new speaker coming in. Didn't you make me feel like a bell? No, 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 no. It's not like a Pavlov thing. And then, in the, of course, if you talk too much, then uh, we, we we have another response when people talk too much. I got all the buttons today. I'm having way too much fun. Anyway. Why don't you, take it, well, you two kids I'd go like, have fun, and we'll do, it, we'll do it again later. Contact information? Yeah, go ahead, Wendy. Okay. Yes, thank you, everyone, for listening today. And if you have any comments or questions or need to get a hold of us for any reason, uh, you can go to Wendy Arthur on Facebook, or you can go to Art by Wendy Arthur, or you can go to Dimensions Ministries. Sounds good. Have your people get with our people. We'll do lunch. <laughs> exactly. It's a system. It's a wonderful system here. So, yeah, so we've got um, – oh, did you hear Cuba now listens? We're in Cuba? Yes, I think that's awesome. Isn't that great? I don't know how we're in Cuba. I know yes, people don't get hurt, hurt for it, but we are there. Hola, Cuba. You know, uh, call us on the, on the international Skype line. The, the instructions are right there at, uh, you know, on our broadcast page. All right. Okay, you two, have fun. We'll talk to you next week. We're going to play some stuff, and uh, we'll get back to uh, the election. The title of the show today, The Red Ripple how it's impossible to believe the 2022 election. And we'll be right back. (laughs) Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand your ground is located at 6632 Elba Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website, and learn how you can best stand your ground. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, W-Y-L, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink 
a 20% discount and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. So if you want to join us at Action Radio and help out, this is how. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. See all the fun we have here? It's not like a regular show where it's all all dramatic and, and you know form and uh, you know edited and processed and, and put through the uh, the operations director where nothing controversial really gets out. We don't do any of that stuff. We just uh, everybody calls it like friends of mine for the most part. You know, so uh, we become like this big happy family of advocates. Uh, everybody with their own uh, expertise and experience and uh, uh, different levels of things that they bring to the show uh, and to all of you. And that's why that's how people get on the show. Uh, I do have time for new reporters. If you're interested in a report, particularly international news, uh, that's what we're looking for. Also, I want to get back and get a national security report uh, and different countries. Anybody that, that lives outside the United States that wants to report on your country, uh, particularly if you're in Europe, Asia, uh, Australia. Um, South America, places far away. Um, that would be great to have uh, those reports. But also Canada, Mexico, you know, our border countries would be great also. All right. So we've got uh, lines are wide open. It's 215-383-3832. Live chat, uh, which I don't get to as much as I should because it's just me. Once we have uh, a producer on the show, then uh, they will be monitoring that all the time uh, and answering really fast, you know, when people do that. We have a Skype line. You know, just go, uh, go check out our Skype lines on the broadcast page. We've got uh, GoFundMe. We've got uh, our affiliate uh, groups, Great Care. Um, when we talked before, we got my uh, my pillow products. We've got uh, um, what was more my energy drink. Ah, there we go, Strikeforce energy drinks. We just played that one. Um, so all these different things are here, and of course, also you know, stand your ground on your shooting range here, which has 24-hour uh, worldwide ordering for of gun stuff too. Um, so there's a there's a lot there's a lot that's happening, and it's it's quite uh, quite an amazing thing. This action radio. What the election proved, and the title of the show, once again, The Red Wolf. You know, everybody's talking about the red wave, the tsunami. I'm like, yeah, okay, even if it does, you know, I, I, I was kind of hoping 
for a lot of new Republicans, but I'm skeptical because I, I, I call them the gelding old party for a reason. I don't believe that they're anywhere near as strong as they could be. Uh, Claire Lopez used to be on the show, called them the controlled opposition. A lot of other people have used that term. So they don't really stand out. Uh, and what uh, Bill Fecky was talking about earlier with Mitch McConnell, where, where Mitch is more concerned with maintaining his power as Senate Majority Leader than he is as advancing Republicans and even helping the country. You know, and so his loyalties are mixed. The loyalties of the people in Congress, the incumbents, are, you know, are there, they're there to make money. You know, that's why most people, except for the, the altruists, the idealists, the visionaries, uh, which don't tend to last or don't tend to even get in Congress, um, they're, they're not as in a strong a position. But the, those that are there to make money, well, you know, hang around for a long time. Uh, the, the Nancy Pelosi's, Chuck Schumer's, and all the other folks that are, that are there, uh, and some Republicans too, like Mitch McConnell, they're really not for us. And what, what this election proved to me is that something that I've thought for a long time, that changing the people in office is not the solution to our problems. It's changing the laws themselves. And so it, that's why I focus on the laws. That's why I don't run for elective office. You know, I'll have anybody running for office on the show, and I'm perfectly happy to talk to anybody. In fact, I want to, because they're going to be able to vote and make decisions, and they're the people that are going to have to vote on, on the bills that we come up with. But I always knew, well, not always, but for, for many, many years now, as this whole idea of Action Radio has been formulating, I knew that it wasn't the personalities and people are focusing on term limits and they're spending millions and millions of dollars on elections, but nothing really changes. So it proves to me that it's that it's not a, it's not a people issue. It's not a legislator issue. It's not an election issue that if you really want change, you have to change the laws themselves. And that's the purpose of action radio. And so we write the laws that we consent to be governed by. Uh, we, we empower juries to overturn the laws that we do not consent to be governed by. Well, gee, Greg, as we channel Rush, gee, Greg, you know, why, why do juries have that much power? Well, because they are the representatives of the people, whereas the judge is the representative of the government. And if the people are supreme to the government, then the jury has to be supreme to the judge. It's the jury that should be given the judge instructions on the case, not the other way around. Well, they don't have legal learning. They're not lawyers. They don't have a, well, of course not. But that's the point. See, the point is that the laws should be written in, in common enough language that anybody can understand them that the judges are subservient, are subordinate to the jury and the people and the Constitution. So this is the way these things could work, should work. And Pierre Cazin, I'm going to make his line live here, but I'll get to him in just a second. And one of the things that, uh, that I've thought about for a while that I think we haven't really talked about, but we should, there are two things that immigrants cannot do in this country until they are citizens. One of them is vote, and the other is serve on a jury. And most people get out of jury service any way they can. They don't, they don't value jury service. And they don't realize that the jury is, is the one place, other than elections, where you can really impact uh, the laws that we, uh, uh, that we live in, except for, of course, Action Radio, when we're going to become citizen lobbyists and actually write the laws that we consent to be governed by. But a jury is responsible for judging the laws in every case. And they're not told that. The judges have taken that away. So the government has taken away the power of the people to be supreme over the government by removing the, the power and even the knowledge that jurors have the power to overturn laws by acquitting somebody, not because they didn't break the law, but because the law itself is the crime. The law itself has to be overturned, and people don't realize that. So the reason that we don't want non-citizens serving on juries uh, is because the juries have the power to regulate our laws. And the last thing we want is people that aren't citizens that have not sworn allegiance to this country, you know, overturning our laws because it might have come from their culture or their country or something else. You know, what if they come from a country that uh, has guns banned, like most countries do? And they say, we don't need a Second Amendment. We didn't have it in our country. We shouldn't have it in America. We're going to, you know, we're going to overturn uh, whatever, uh, you know, laws is being put forward to advance gun ownership. Okay. Well, you don't want that. That's why you don't want non-citizens serving on juries. 
But you do want citizens with the knowledge that they can overturn laws simply by acquitting someone you know, that may have uh, violated some law that has no reason for, for being, because it violates the Constitution. Pianchi. Welcome to our, our red ripple, how, is it imposs- why, how it's impossible to believe the 2022 election. As we have two hours, <laughs> or like an hour and 40 minutes to hash all this stuff out. What do you think? Well, you go through and filter out all the corruption, it becomes what it comes. I like what you said about the immigrants. And I like that they uh, have these restrictions on what they're allowed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most people so don't know they're that. They're legal. Yeah, it's, it's serve on a jury and, uh, and vote. And so when these, these marks come out and say, well, we should have illegals voting you know, in local elections. No, they have no stake in this country. They've already committed a crime. I mean, why, you know, if, if for the same reason you don't have felons vote, you know, in jail, you know, it's a deprivation of rights because they've violated, you know, the, the laws that we live under. The illegal aliens have violated the laws they live under every single day by being here illegally. You can't give these people a right to vote. That's, that's insane. That's irrational. But you also can't have these people serving and, on juries. And, and, and I don't think people really understand you got the difference. Say, yeah, go ahead. And then you got some municipalities that won't allow that will allow illegals to vote. <clears throat> then we that gets back to trying to propose is that there be a, fe- a separate federal ballot from the ballots mm-hmm. of the state and local. Yeah, but you I still mean, have the problem. Just look at Pennsylvania. Yeah, but you still have the problem of illegals voting. We'll get to Pennsylvania in a second. You still have the problem of illegal aliens voting. That in itself is a crime. And anybody who lets illegal aliens vote, who certifies an illegal alien voting, who works at a poll where knowingly letting illegal aliens vote, those people should all be arrested. You know, and I would arrest well, them the under... Vetting uh, for, the vetting system for participating in a federal ballot has to be much better than it is for mm-hmm. illegal. Illegals can't get passports. Passport and means a passport should be one of the uh, productions in order to get the federal ballot, not just a driver's license. Well, driver's well, license anybody can get a citizenship. No. No, actually, the passport is one of the best forms of ID. It really is. And so a passport is a, you know, when I first, um, I, don't, I don't know if my passport was, was, I don't think I had an active one. I think I had to renew. No, I think I had it. Uh, but I also have my naturalization paper. So I've got my original naturalization papers, you know, signed in 1981. Uh, judge, I think it was George McGrath in Boston. How's that for a memory? Um, was the judge that uh, okayed my, my citizenship uh, after I swore an oath to this country. And so I've still got that, but I also got a passport. I've always, I usually always have a passport because you never know when you're going to want to travel outside the country. But the passport's not easy to get. You've got to provide photographs. You have to have documentation. Passports are easy to renew once you already have one, you know, because they've already gone through the criteria. But passports are a great identifier. I would make that uh, one of the major sources. Uh, if not that, there should be some kind of proof of citizenship card. There has to be a voter citizenship. Well, in some municipality, yeah. all you need to do is have a utility bill. And you yeah, know, it doesn't have to be current. It could be five, six, eight, eight months old. Yeah, so that's not good enough. Believe it or not. Yeah. You can get utility yeah. bills out of the trash can. <laughs> well, I mean, there are a lot of places where they, they purposely don't ask um, vote. Do you remember the, the Project Veritas one? I think it might have even been James O'Keefe in the early days. You know, he went uh, to a Washington, D.C. polling place, and he said, I'm Eric Holder, you know. And, uh, of course, the picture of Eric Holder was, like, in the back wall, right? So he goes to this voting place. He says, I'm Eric Holder, and Eric Holder was attorney general at the time. And he says, I, I forgot my ID. Uh, can I vote? Well, you're supposed to have an ID. Uh, but the, the person said, well, don't worry about it. You know, it's okay. We'll, we'll just take your vote this time. We'll make it provisional. Oh, okay. 
you know, and uh, and so he was allowed to vote as Eric Holder. <laughs> it was hysterical. But it shows I voted before. I voted before, and I produced an expired passport. Mm-hmm. Now I was legally I'm supposed to vote where I voted, but just to test it out, I produced a expired passport. I produced a uh, a cable bill or electric mm-hmm. bill, and see the way that the system was is they look up the name. In the book, mm-hmm. when they find it, lady put her initials by it, then she turns the book around so you can sign it. Well, hell, mm-hmm. you're looking at the signature of the person of the mm-hmm. name that's in the book. It may not be you, so you just copy it or scribble it. She doesn't pay no strict attention to it, no forensic attention to it. So that's how that uh, fraud can exist. Yeah, and if you're registered properly to vote, I mean, that's where the proof of citizenship comes in. Then at the voting booth, you, you know, at the vote, the polling place, you're just proving who you are. And so you've already established who you are. As long as those two match up, you should be okay. But we had that scam again where people would go to the polling place and they'd, they'd go to vote and the, the, the polling person would say, well, look, you've already voted. You're, you know, you've, you've, you know, we've already got a record of you voting. And that was a, boat, a ballot harvest or a stolen ballot or, or someone voting in their name or any number of other things. So, so voting is so bad in this country. It is so bad. I don't trust elections. And it convinces me more and more. As I said, you know, in the opening of of, of this uh, this part of the show, that it's changing people doesn't seem to make a lot of difference, and the billions of dollars that went into this election doesn't seem to make a whole lot of difference, and that's why I think changing the law is where we should be putting our efforts, not changing the people, because you change the people, but change doesn't occur. Change is only going to occur if we, if we know, change the laws by changing by having the people in office change the laws and vote for the proposals that we're we're talking about. Go ahead. Yeah. But the thing is, is that in states, you can have anything, any kind of law. You don't have to mm-hmm. be a U.S. citizen to vote in a state election, um, a local municipal election, but you do have to be a U.S. citizen to vote for a federal candidate. And that's where the separation needs to happen. There's no, no way in no, the world you're going to get all these states in line. No way. Look no, at you... Pennsylvania. They probably won't be done counting their votes until Valentine's Day. There's <laughs> nothing you can do. Yeah. And they still have outstanding Trump electors. All of these battleground states with Senate problems, they all have outstanding Trump electors. They've never resolved that. They've never had their proper January 6th hearing. Um, but I disagree with you, though, because state, local elections, illegal aliens cannot vote. Only citizens can vote. Not even green card, not yeah, even permanent they, residents can vote. They, they, count them, they count them for apportionment. Well, so that's illegal, too. The last census was illegal. It's not a valid census. No, it's not. no. The, 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 uh, well, they have been argued that the Constitution say persons. They don't say if a person is legal or not. No, so no, that's states, not true. No, no, no. I, we, we, I'll, I'll, I'll go through this argument again. I know what you're saying, but uh, that's a bogus argument by the left when it says all persons. Because the Constitution very clearly says right in the very beginning, we the people of the United States. It doesn't say we the people. This is we the people of the United States. That means citizens, okay? Because if you're not a citizen, when, you're not when, a person of the United States. Down, when it, you may be in the United when it States, comes but down you're not uh-huh. When it comes down to forming new congressional districts, they count the people in those districts. Those people don't have to be United States citizens. They in no, their they district, and they, and they afford the representation. No, they actually do have to be citizens because the whole purpose of the census is to determine congressional districts. And the only reason to do that is to, is to take people who can vote. And the only people who can vote are citizens. So it actually does. 
It says, uh, here we go. No person uh, uh, Okay. We're not saying that they can't. We, if they voting, voting and being accounted for apportionment is two different things. Well, when, when I first registered will... to vote, uh-huh. when, I, when I first registered to vote in Missouri, right. I didn't have to prove no citizenship. Yeah, you should have. Though. And you don't today. Really? Why is that? No. Because only citizens. You, only citizens you, you can prove vote. citizenship. You sh- if you prove an address where you live, that's why come uh, uh, illegals can get those I ten numbers and get a right. home mortgage. Then when they sign the closing paper, they just take the closing papers to the election commission and register to vote because they are now able to show an address. That don't mean that they're a citizen. Right. People that's who illegal. are non-citizens that's, that's can, buy a, can buy property in the United States. Yeah. Well, they can – well, see, I mean, I would – illegal aliens shouldn't be able to do anything in the United States. They're here illegally. Um, but, uh, but permanent residents, they can't vote. You've got a green card. You can't vote. They don't ask you to create. That's what I'm trying well, see, that's to tell the enforce, you. They that's do an enforcement problem. It. Okay, that's an enforcement problem. Though. That's, not, that's not actually law. a legal problem. Yeah. Yeah, you know, see, I, I can only talk about what I've experienced well. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, in the yep. state of Missouri, you can see the state of Missouri Constitution allows the formation of villages, towns, and cities. That's it. And how those, uh, as far as the electoral process goes on in those village, towns, and cities, that's up to those village, towns, and cities. So they do not ask you if you are a U.S. citizen. Matter of fact, they can't ask you if you you are a citizen. Even the police in those communities, the only thing they can do is stop a person and contact ICE, and that's it. That's wrong. They can't put a person, put people out. Not only can they not put people out of the country, they can't even put people out of their house. If it's the only person can put people out of the house in some of those municipalities is the health official. Saying that it's uh, unfit for human inhabitancy. Yeah, I'm trying so to listen to you and read, and read the Constitution out. at the same time. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do two things here. So it's, uh, uh, but it's just, but the census, the whole point of the census is to count citizens for determining congressional districts because only citizens can vote. That's the legal requirement. There's no legal requirement to count illegal aliens. First of all, they can't be in the country, so they can't be counted except for the purpose of getting rid of them. Mm-hmm. There's no. There's, there's no nothing on the U.S. Census that asks you if you insist. Well, see, that's, that's wrong. One of the remember, we had a bill on that. Remember? What? No, we actually wrote a bill on that. I, I played. Remember, I played that on the air not too long ago. That I played the the, the one where we wrote the bill. We wrote the man. We wrote that the citizenship question was mandatory on the census. It should be mandatory anyway. You know, the fact that uh, you can't you can't count illegals. Because they can't receive benefits. So if they're counting it for the purpose of taxes, illegal aliens cannot pay taxes. Illegal aliens cannot receive benefits. Illegal aliens can't live here. They can't work here. They can't have bank accounts here. They can't have credit here. They can't do anything here. The only thing they can do is leave. And they don't illegal. have to participate in the, in the census either. Yeah, well, illegal people don't have to participate in the census. That's one of the things in the hood is that yeah. they have to go hunt these people down to make them. Uh, participate in the census, and then when you do find out who you think you find out, they can say, I don't want to do that because it's against my religion. So it's, there's nothing that uh, says that a citizen, a person has to be a U.S. citizen to vote in these municipalities. Hmm. It's, there's it not. 
Oh, I, well, I'm going to check on that uh, because I think I think that's wrong, and it, that makes first of all, it makes no sense that you you yeah, you but don't how have to you check citizenship when you I, I mean just think mm-hmm. when you go to a municipality, all you got to right. do is produce a driver's license or maybe mm-hmm. an address. That's it. Mm-hmm. They can't ask you if you're a citizen. See, I think they can. Just like now in the city of St. Louis, they can't ask you if you've been a felon. (laughs) For for voting? Well, see, I think felons should – if felons are out of jail, they should have their voting rights back. So part of due process is the restoration of rights once you've done your time. Felons should get their gun rights back. They can't ask you if you've been a felon for the price of uh, for getting a job. So that's different, though. See, that's a prejudice. That's a discrimination measure. See, if, if felons cannot get jobs, then they can never return to society properly. And as a, as a, yeah, we had a chaplain on the show. It, we, you can, yeah. Go you ahead. can call it what you want to call it, but I'm telling you like it is. When I became 16, I got a driver's license. I took uh-huh. that driver's license and I registered to vote. They asked me about a citizen. When I got the well, driver's they license, they didn't ask they do me in Florida. about a citizen. <laughs> Florida, they ask if you're a citizen. Yeah, well, that's a different country. Yes, for sure. I'm going to see my type sign. Which law makes it illegal? When I moved out of Missouri, I went to the St. Louis County uh, Voting Commission, which was headed by Rita Days. I know her. I know her husband. He used to be on the Normandy School District uh, School District Board. And I filled out an affidavit asking them to remove me from the voters' rolls. My grandson did, too, because he was moving out of state to go to college. And when I got to where I was going, I registered to vote there. When I came to this new state, they didn't ask me was I a citizen. See, they should, though. See, citizenship is not private information, public. When you come into the country on a passport, you have to, even though you have a passport, you still have to declare your citizenship publicly. You know, when It may uh, when not you be country, private information, but what gives you the right to ask somebody? Their citizenship? Well, it depends on the situation. Yes, sir. The only, the only time you, you should be able, I mean, you can ask casually just for fun, and people can say, I'm not going to tell you. You know, that's okay. But in terms of a legal requirement, you're, you, I, I believe that it's a legal requirement. I would say it's a legal requirement to ask your citizenship for a driver's license. Not that international people can't get an international driver's license. They can. Visa holders should be able to get a driver's license, but they should not be able to vote. You know, permanent yeah, residence on a green card. License is a is a document you can produce to vote. Then what you cannot ask those be. people. I got yes, concealed carry license in the state I'm in. I have concealed carry license in the state of Missouri. Yeah. I didn't have to prove that I was a citizen in either one of them. Well, you should have. See, so that's the difference. There's, you, there's the no, enforcement of the laws. All right, there's, there's the difference. The, law, does, laws, the law doesn't law, state that, Greg. The law does not state that. Okay. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to investigate it because I think that's wrong, but I want to investigate because, I mean, you very, you know, very well could be right. Uh, I'm not saying that, uh, that you're wrong, just, but I don't, I don't believe that, so I have to investigate it. Anyway, I got something here from Judicial Watch, which says voting rights for illegal immigrants. should say illegal aliens. A major U.S. county that has long offered illegal immigrants official sanctuary wants to join a handful of others around the nation in granting them voting privileges reserved for American citizens. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors wants immigrants who don't have voting rights to cast ballots in school board elections if their children attend public schools. Well, they can't, attend, they can't do that either. That's the Plyler v. Doe decision. That's an illegal Supreme Court decision. 
from San Francisco. According to that, all right, let me see if I can find the part where it says here, Pravona's monastery is here, the last paragraph, it is still illegal for non-U.S. citizens to vote in federal or state elections, though a handful of jurisdictions around the country have passed measures to allow it in local contests. I believe that's illegal, too. They include, you know, Illinois and Maryland, Massachusetts. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Under the 1996 Illegal Immigration Reform and Immigrant Responsibility Act, federal authorities can deport an alien who falsely claims to be a citizen in order to vote. That's interesting. Uh-huh. Now you just said you need to have federal ballot, state ballot, then local ballot. I agree. Because they no, I think you're right on the state. But the thing I'm trying to tell you, mm-hmm. and not in an argument. No, no, we're discussing. When you this pick a ballot a... up, when you get a ballot, you got right. state issues and you got local issues on there. And there's mm-hmm. no way to dis- – and see, there's no name on the ballot. The ballot right. does not have a name on it. Mm-hmm. So a person who you would say is illegal, if they're voting on a local issue, on a ballot that has state issues, they can move right up the line and vote on and mark off on those state issues too. Nobody knows. No, agreed. No, I think I think you're right. Uh, again, this is the, the difference is between what the law says and how the law is enforced. So I believe the law says that it's illegal for illegal aliens to vote. Because they're not citizens. What law? How can you vote? How can you vote it's in, in election law? What federal that? government can't control the states like that. Um, I think it's I think it's constitutional. Well, the states should certainly make it illegal for. I see. I, I it has to what. be the state constitution. Yeah. It's not the federal constitution. Federal government cannot control states on their ballot issues and how they ran. They can't do yeah. it. Well, see, but allegedly the, only the federal thing, government the only controls thing can do is control the, is the, the only thing Congress can do is control the federal ballot. And then now, being because of a money issue, they want to pay the states to control the federal ballot. No, Congress should control the federal ballot. You know, it's interesting. The, the federal government doesn't control uh, all immigration. And they think they do, but they don't. That's not in the Constitution. What is is that they make uniform rules for naturalization. And part of that would include, you know, I would believe, I'm going to look at the, the Immigration and Nationality Act, I believe that includes, you know, non-voting. Um, but it, but it's, it's pretty clear that the federal government, in controlling, you know, citizenship, should have a restriction that until you're a citizen, you can't vote. I'm pretty sure it was. That's what it's told to me when I became they, a citizen, when I, when, I, when I got a green card. Well, so yeah, can't they vote. can't put a federal election, but they can't tell Illinois. They can, they can control, but the, illegal, but the, the federal government controls the green cards, controls the permanent residents. And they you're can right. They can't vote. And a local police department cannot, cannot jur, jurisdiction over illegal. How would you know? So if you hear the person driving down the street look like uh-huh. they don't live here, you don't know. If they if they if you stop them, they need an interpreter. Well, you got to get an interpreter. Now here's the point: you have no way to prove that these people are illegal. What records? The, the municipality does not have those type of records. They don't have mm-hmm. records of people coming across the border, uh, who they are and where they come from. It can't oh. happen. Right. Okay. I'm going to bookmark this article and uh, read it later. I'm, like I said, I'm trying to uh, listen and do things at the same time, which never works out well. I want to check this law, this Illegal Immigration Reform Act. I want to check the citizenship, too, because as far as I know, now, it, it makes no sense to me that if permanent residents cannot vote 
And that's part of the condition of being a permanent resident. We were told, you don't vote. You know, and so that was made very clear to us. Um, that uh, that, that was that was illegal illegal aliens vote vote. In federal in federal election. That, that, you know, let's move on to another topic. But they can't vote federal government. See, that's why some you have in this convention of states because the federal government is trying to impose their will on states, and states don't want them to impose their will on. So the federal government cannot tell a state how to run its elections unless it becomes a vagrant civil rights issue. Yeah. Yeah, we. I need to look more into this because, it, it, like I say, I, I thought I knew that it was illegal for illegal aliens to vote. It's certainly illegal for, for permanent residents to vote, and they're allowed to be in the country. So if it's illegal for permanent residents to vote, how can it possibly be legal for people that aren't allowed to be here to vote? That yeah, because make, that's I mean, a stipulation of that green card. But illegal and aliens, only but illegal aliens the, see, the green, the green but, card is issued by federal regulation. It's not issued by states. There's no way possible you can do that. So you state right. to be different. You have four, well, five, that's six, why you have a, fifty green cards in your pockets. Mm-hmm. But if it's if it's illegal for permanent residents to vote, it it can't be illegal for people that have no here to vote and people that have no rights. Illegal aliens have no rights in this country. They have no status in this country. They They're illegal. Vote. They can't, so they can't vote, vote federal election. No, I think state and local. I vote. bet no. you they can because vote in California's election. Well, they do vote, but this doesn't mean that they can. There's a big difference. Again, it's enforcement versus the actual law itself. So this is, this is an issue. Like I said, I've got to look more into this because it doesn't make sense that this can possibly happen. That is, that is, that, you well, know, that, uh, <laughs> yes. well, I know, I know it does happen. I'm, I'm just state. saying it's not happening legally. There's no way that a municipality can make it legal for, for illegal aliens to vote. That's impossible. That makes no sense. These people are not citizens of this Can country. The federal, They're citizens I tell you of another something country. else, too. The federal what? government has no control over local schools, neither. Well, I so, agree with you there. But, local, yeah, but illegals are going to local schools because well, the good. local community allow it. No, it's because of a bogus Supreme Court decision that the, that the local schools think they're, they're forced to do it. They said the Supreme Court says we have to educate illegal aliens. Well, that's a bogus decision. So what really should happen, I, I went to a school board meeting. You know, I, I was at, uh, we had our superintendent of schools, actually went to it, if anybody remembers it. Uh, it was rather contentious, actually. But our superintendent of schools in Santa Rosa County, Florida, I was there. And I said, look, these illegal aliens. I said, why don't you, I said, how many illegal aliens do you have in the school? And uh, I think Karen Barber is her name. I could be getting wrong on the first name. And she said, I can not allowed to ask that. I said, of course you're allowed to ask that. No, the Supreme Court says I, I can't ask if they're citizens or not. I said, of course you can. That's a bogus Supreme Court decision. They have no power over you to, to say to let what illegal aliens into the schools. Say? They can't make policy. They can't dictate policy from the Supreme Court. That's nonsense. What did, you state, what did the state court say? Don't know. Haven't looked at it. Well, the state, well, the, that's, the court, the that's where it lies the problem. At that well, municipality, yeah. if the right. Normandy School District open up its seats for illegals, there's nothing nobody can do other than the people elect them mm, and, well, and get those seats out. Well, that comes back to juries then. So, of course, I think juries should be on uh, constitutional cases anyway uh, because that would be a very different, interesting situation. But no, see, the state courts, yeah, there's certain things I don't believe they can do. So the federal government has control over immigration and, or uniform laws of naturalization. Part of those uniform laws mean that they can regulate whether, you know, they can say illegal aliens cannot vote at any election. See, I don't think, you cannot have people who can't be here 
have any status. They can't pay taxes. They can't work. They can't live here legally. They can't do anything here legally. So how can it possibly be legal for illegal aliens who cannot legally do anything here vote? That makes no sense. That doesn't pass the logic. That's why, come, that's why come existing politicians right. don't mind them getting involved in the perch because of what? Because these illegals will vote for them. Exactly. No, I understand the process. I understand the corruption. But what I'm saying is, it, because it's not legal, it means we can fight it. See, that's the difference. Anyway, let's come to the election. Yeah, but I, wanna, I, I got then, some notes then the on people that. don't want them. People are all behoving. And uh, I've talked to people, and they say that they think that, uh, you know, they get into this Christianity mode and this human humanity mode. mode. And they say, yes, let these poor people come in so they can eat. Uh, like Obama said, all they want to do is get a job. Well, they can get a job in their own country. See, freedom is not exclusive to the United States. Prosperity is not exclusive to the United States. There have been, there have been civilizations for, for thousands and thousands of years that were very prosperous and very beneficial. You look at Rome, Greece, Egypt, you know, and we were talking earlier, the Byzantines, the Abyssinians, the Assyrians. There are societies all throughout history that, have had, that were prosperous. There's no magic that the United States is only prosperous. The only reason the, that, that our country and any other country throughout history was prosperous is because they were free. So the solution to poverty is not to bring everybody to the United States because then we'll be poor. The solution is to make those countries free. That is the way that people look at it. Well, I don't you care how many people, people but they, and we, have to, we have to show them this is the way to look at it. Look at uh, yeah, El Salvador. Gonna, they're going to say, who are you to tell me? The Bible uh-huh. says I'm supposed to see my, I am my brother's keeper. Uh-huh. But it depends to keep them. So well, you're, not you keep... Talk to, you're not going to tell these people, in many, uh, I mean, in general, you're not going to mm-hmm. tell people that I'm not your, that they are not their brother's keeper. You're not yeah, going to tell those to. people that their kids cannot go to the school where they can get a meal, breakfast, lunch, and also a supper meal. They're not going to do it. That's why yeah, that's but, they're enforcing has a problem now. That's why you have this. That's why it's yeah, best to I, just leave them alone. Yeah, see, I don't believe the Bible. And when it says, you know, you're your brother's keeper, it doesn't mean that you're your brother's welfare, that you're your brother's piggy bank. You, you, you see the key words that you said and what you just said? You said you don't believe, but they do. I know they do. Okay, so, so that's, that's a belief system that we have to challenge. But, I mean, the belief system that illegal aliens have to be educated in our schools is something we have to challenge. There's a lot of things that we challenge All here right. on Action Radio. I mean, there's a ton of things that we then challenge Then if you here. say you, you want to challenge their belief system, isn't that uh-huh. the same thing that we see when people wanted to use their religious exemption to avoid getting vaccinated? You had those on the other end say, I don't believe you are that strong in your convictions and your religion. Yeah, see, that's wrong. But those are two different, those are two totally different <laughs> arguments. They're, no, they're, I mean, you're making good points, but they're totally, they're totally distant. They're, they're separate from each other. So the whole reason not to have a They may a, be a different vaccine. arguments, Greg, but they mm-hmm. are reality. Well, illegals well, can vote in, in illegals can vote no, in municipal elections. No, illegals do vote in municipal elections. I don't think they can vote. That's a very different thing. Yeah, I but find out. No, you're that you can't. Well, if that municipality in the state don't say you can't vote, the federal government don't have those powers. Yeah, now we're going yeah. back to giving the federal government powers they're not supposed to have. Only mm-hmm. the state can grant those the, the, that power. And then if you got Illinois say yeah and you got uh, Mississippi say, say no, 
then the illegals will go to Illinois. <laughs> and that's what's happening. That's the whole basis of sanctuary. It is a sanctuary city in Chicago, right? Right. Oh, yeah. See, but Jackson I want illegal... Jackson's son got elected to Congress mm-hmm. uh, last night. Who do you think voted for him? <laughs> yeah, the welfare population. You know, and the privileged population, the minority privilege group. Let's, well, um, there you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, so I understand what you're saying in terms of what does happen, but what I'm saying is legally can it happen? I'm saying no. So that's the difference. So I'm going I'm to start checking out some of these immigration laws. I also want to look at El Salvador as a model for prosperity uh, in Central and South America as a place that uh, you know, freedom makes countries wealthy. You look at Israel, you look at Switzerland, you look at any country with a lot of market freedom, they're doing pretty well. You know, the more restrictive countries, the more well, yeah, socialist countries, right. the more planned you're economies, the worse right. they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. But the thing is that uh, Maxine Waters and, and Nancy Pelosi is not going to tell my municipality jack about certain things. Yeah. I get, I get, they're not going to do it. Yeah, I get noise outside. Can you hear it? No. On the radio? Okay, good. All right. So, uh, yeah, because I, I might have to dash out and close the window. <laughs> It's nice out there. I want to get some fresh air. Well, it's distracting me. Hopefully, it'll stop soon. Let me talk about. Um, yeah, let me. I got to play something. I got to close a couple of windows here. I'm not going to be able to do the show. So uh, let me just play something and see how fast I can do this and and get right back. I wonder if I can do this in a minute. I think I can do this in a minute. Let me just get one of my little breaks here, and we'll be right back. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grave Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gravecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Here we go. This yard work going on outside my window. It's like, okay, now it's much better. I got that close. So, uh, yeah, yeah, one of those little things we do. It's funny when you're, you know, running around with the microphone, the headset off, and uh, right in the middle of a show. All right. So I was hoping one of uh, the folks on one of our local Facebook pages would call in because he has some definite uh, disagreements with me thinking that the Republican Party needs to dump Trump, become, you know, a better party and, re- and reform itself. I'm like, no, they can't do that. Actually, I think Trump should dump the Republican Party. But that's another story. Um, the red wave became a red whipple, ripple. Uh, it's not as, as planned. We started talking about this with Bill. Did you have any follow-up on that, Pianchi? Did you have any, uh, any other comments you want to make in general? Because I have sort of a, a little thing I wrote before the show. Well, uh, you know, the thing that you just mentioned, somebody think that the Republican Party should dump dumb Trump. That's mm-hmm. there in fact lies the problem there. See these parties don't listen to the people that make them up. It's the people that likes Trump and as I like Trump is because of his issues. It's not his mm-hmm. personality. Mm-hmm. 
It's his issue. Yeah, but, they, but they make a personality issue because the, the issues that he stands for are the same things that most Americans stand for. Most Americans want low-cost energy, a good foreign policy, a strong military, uh, a wall to keep up the illegals. Uh, they want a decent economy. They want low inflation. They want all the things that Trump brought to this country. And so the media, Absolutely. they can't focus on that. Yeah, they, so the media can't focus on that. They have to demonize them with made-up stuff. It's like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Well, the Those cure COVID, but they can't say that if they're going to get their vaccines too. So they have to say that, that the hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin will kill you. So they provide the exact opposite message to the truth simply so they can push their vaccine agenda. Same thing with Trump. What he you did was incredible. Right. So who's the demon in all this? The demon mm-hmm. is the media. It's what the people listen to. The people yep. are persuaded out of their mind. You mm-hmm. look at a politician. The, the politician is there because you sent them there for a specific reason. You don't mm-hmm. send them there. You don't vote for them to sit back and watch and see what happens, and that is too much the case. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Um, I, I was just thinking, you know, the, the, this whole idea of, uh, uh, of parties, you know, and I think it's time to draft a bill to get rid of uh, party membership when, when people are serving in a legislature. You know, you want to be a party member? You want to have a party? Mm-hmm. Great. I don't care. You know, but it can't be with a person serving in government. They cannot get money directly. If you want to spend money on behalf of a candidate, that's fine. You know, if the Sierra Club wants to give, uh, you know, a whole bunch of money to Gavin Newsom to run for governor, I don't care. They just can't give it to him directly, but they have to spend it on, on his behalf. Uh, and, and party membership, you know, if we get rid of party membership, then one party won't control Congress. So here's what's going on now that's really sick. You know, the Republicans are like 200 and something in the Democrats, or like 203, in the, or, and the Democrats are like 212. So there's only a very short margin of difference between the two parties right now uh, in the House, and yet the House controls everything, which means Nancy Pelosi controls everything. Well, how is that possible? Well, it's only possible because there are parties. So because there are parties, the majority party runs everything, and everybody else has no representation whatsoever. So... Almost half of the Congress right now, the House of Representatives, cannot represent their people because they're not in the majority party. Well, you just wasted half the Congress. They've been elected for nothing. So all the millions that went into it, all the workers, all the people that helped, all the campaign volunteers and all the the folks that voted for members of the House who are Republican, their vote was stolen because they have no impact. They cannot represent their people because there are parties. And the majority party controls all the committee chairs, the committee chairs control the bills, and the speaker controls which bills come to the floor. So that is a really good reason to with the parties. People, mm-hmm. You got people that say that they're progressive, but they want to change things that have been built, established, and planned by others and put in place that they use in their life. So why you want to get them to change to come along to your view, and your view really have not even been tried, proved, and tested. That, in fact, lies a problem, too. How do they get that mindset? You don't do that with your parents. Your parents say you got to make up the bed in the morning. You don't go and lobby and tell your parents that uh, we're going to change this. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually did <laughs> when I was a kid. I, I, I've been a lobbyist all my life you know, for change, for, for what I thought were better ideas. So I've always gotten in trouble. You should see me in school. I was always like, why don't you teach it this way? <laughs> you know, I was awful. That's uh, probably I never found a, a job and rose up in the corporate world. Um, but yeah, no, I, but you still have to stand by the, by the courage of your convictions. If you believe you're right, you have to say you're right. And people will tell you, no, you're not. Or yes, you are. You know, and that's, uh, that's how that works. But I still yeah, believe but how parties. do you get those convictions? 
Some people, some people come up with these right and wrong. Well, I believe that a man has the right to marry a man. I believe that a man has the right to bear a baby. Mm-hmm. Well, then let's let's put it into the uh, the realm of ideas. I uh, I think that uh, you know if you're going to talk about that that particular the whole gay gay marriage thing, I mean, people can do what they want individually, but in law and in the English language and in the definitions, marriage should remain a man and a woman, you know, sanctioned by God. That to me is the definition of marriage. Well, that's actually the definition you know throughout history. I used to say licensed by the state, but I'm kind of questioning that part. Given the state of family court, I don't think marriages should be licensed. Um, but, well, uh, it should be licensed. It should be recognized by that particular state. States yeah. have the right to uh, set the parameters for marriages. Yeah. Well, in that case, uh, because it is – well, the other thing is it's a contract. It's not a right. That's the other thing, too, that people forget. Marriage is not a right. Nobody has a right to be married. Marriage is a contract. And so in that respect, it would, in the it contract, would have to – yeah. It's a contract with the state. It's not a contract with the federal government. It's true. Oh, absolutely it's true. Yeah. So I agree with you there. Uh, And so, uh, you know, can states, you know, sanctify gay marriage? Yes, they can. Do I think it's a good idea? No, I don't. I want marriage to stay with the the classic historical definition. But that's how I do it. But the states have the power to change that. You know, I mean, they just do. Uh, but but now that but I think about it, but the government to get in, involved with. Uh, no, I don't want the federal. But it's not a question of the federal government in this case, Bianca. It's a question of, uh, you know, what, what's what's whether something's a right or a contract, and what should be under. Well, law. federal you know, government got involved with interracial marriage with Lovins versus Virginia. Yeah, well, they're wrong. They shouldn't have been involved in that. Well, I agree. Yeah, and just because something is, is the, the things that are legal that uh, or the things that are tolerable that are not necessarily legal, the things that are legal that are, are hard to condone, you know, in other words, you can make uh, certain drugs legal to use, but it doesn't mean you approve of it. You know, there's always that definition too. So that comes into it. You know, I mean, uh, I don't care about interracial marriages. I certainly wouldn't make them illegal, but I know there are people who don't approve. Okay. Well, that's okay. You know, so uh, there's, there's different realms of how this works. Let's go back to the election, though, um, because I think that we're, we're sort of we're covering a lot of side issues here, which are, which are good to discuss, but not the day after an election. So the predictions didn't quite hold, uh, and I think we've talked about that, too. The Republican Party does not represent Republicans. I think that's one of the biggest things we learned last night. We learned a bunch of other things, too, um, about which we talked about with Bill, about McCarthy. And, uh, and Mitch McConnell, uh, that Florida's doing really well, that all the conservatives have moved to Florida, made it a really powerful state. I wonder if Florida should become, you know, we talk about it as its own country, but it might be better off as its own country. You know, Florida and Texas might be across to seeding. What would this country would look like if Florida, Texas, and Alaska said, you know, we're, gonna, we're big enough. We're going to form our own countries. That's what's going to happen. What's that? That's what's going to happen. That's, what, that's the way the... The pieces are similar in themselves. You're going to have states like Florida and Texas, and you're going to have these states like California, and they just going to say, look, we're going to, uh, we want to be our own thing because we yeah, don't, don't agree think, with that. See, I think, I'm hoping that states stay in the union. I don't want to see them secede, but I think the states need to become much more powerful. Uh, in themselves, and they need to start exercising the state rights. Like we are talking about. They with have Brianna that power. They don't use it. But they exactly. Yeah, the whole thing they need to start exercising. Convention. I didn't say they didn't have it. I said they need to start exercising that. Yeah. Right. Like remember we were talking to Brianna right. yesterday about Oklahoma with their 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 oil and gas industry that I didn't know they had. I thought it was in Texas. So Oklahoma has an oil and gas industry. Well, if any of that is on federal land, the state of Oklahoma simply says, uh, "You guys have been violating the Constitution long enough. We're taking our land back," and start drilling on it. That they could do. 
Well, you mm-hmm. got two things. You got two things. The three things there. You got state land, federal mm-hmm. imposition of the land, and you got the Indian land. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh no, it's definitely competing interests. Same thing with states too. If they want to have some, you know, some pretty crazy practices, uh, as long as they don't violate the rights of all United States citizens, you know, they can do it. And so this is where the, there is there is a supremacy through the 14th Amendment <clears throat> that citizens of the states, or the citizens of the United States, are also citizens of the states, which means they're covered by the Bill of Rights. So you don't want states violating the Bill of Rights, whereas states have a lot of freedom to do what they want. Um, but the Bill of Rights, you know, being covered by the states having ratified the Bill of Rights, they're bound by it. You know, so that's, that's what the Bill thing. of Rights are for, to control the states. Yeah, well, no, to, to maintain individual rights so the states don't infringe on them. Or right. the federal well, government doesn't infringe Yeah, they apply to the states more so than to the, uh, yeah. the federal government. The Constitution protects you from the federal government, and the Bill of Rights it sets your position within states. Yep, that makes sense. Let me read you something. <clears throat> excuse me. Let me read something I wrote before the show this morning. And it was just I wrote something down in the election, posted on Facebook. But uh, this is how I, I kind of come up to it. I said, my conclusion the morning after the election is that the results are impossible given the state of the nation. It is impossible to believe that Democrats got many votes at all. It is not impossible to believe the red wave was only a red ripple given the appalling state of GOP leadership wimpish commitment to America and only contempt for the American first Trump base with no plans at all to make America great. 2020 vote fraud uh, has given way to 2022 election day sabotage and the GOP is once again fighting the previous battle. The concentration of GOP voting on election day meant that all the Democrats had to do to ruin the GOP vote was screw up things at the polls on the one day while the GOP observers had bragged for months they'd handle the vote fraud all the while being set up for vote sabotage on election day. That is why I voted early. Once again, the Democrats are way ahead and may even keep the Senate and can probably vote fraud their way into keeping the House, which is impossible if the vote were honest and the GOP were an actual opposition party. It is impossible to believe that after the 2020 election was stolen, after all the illegal COVID mandates and the gene jab, after our energy was cut off, our pipelines stopped, our borders opened, our population flooded with illegals, our organic fuels headed for transition to sun and wind only, our economy trashed, the national debt exploding, our military lacking, our foreign policy non-existent, corruption at maximum levels, a Justice Department that is now a Ministry of Internal Security and Secret Police, after legions of people were paid not to work and they accepted that and stayed home, and after the idiocracy and coup of Joe Biden was installed with the willing consent and cooperation of the GOP and still remains with the reins of power, with all the idiots at every level, it is impossible to believe what happened last night, except it did. That's my statement on the election. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to get going. <laughs> you got the game. That was a bit much for you. Today is windy. The windy was windy in today. No, she, she wasn't. Was we was talking. She was in. You you left the show early and then you came back. Oh, okay. Yeah, she was on. I guess you're getting busy these days. What you up to? Anything you can disclose? All people want to talk. <laughs> okay. As well, usual. Yeah. But else uh, on the line now? Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Feel free. I'll, I got the last hour. I can carry on. Yeah, the, anyway, we, you know, all these accumulations of deficiencies, 
uh, they pile up and the results of what they are. You know, the, you know, it's great that you're talking to the young lady, uh, Brianna, because you're helping her to open her eyes and look at things in a different perspective than what she's probably learning in school. And that's a good well, thing. It has she's homeschooled. The child has to she... think critically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, she's homeschooled. I think she's been to public school at some point, uh, but she's got really good parents, obviously, and she's really bright for a 16-year-old kid to be able. I talk. I don't pull any punches with her. I don't. I don't hold back questions. I don't. I don't uh, try and put things in simpler terms because she's still in high school. I don't do anything like that with her. You know, she gets full questions mm-hmm. like anybody else would, uh, and she's able to handle them and come back with some really bright insights. Listen to that third hour. The fourth hour, actually, if you get a chance, because in the fourth hour, we actually dissected uh, the political, uh, the, between anarchy and, and, uh, and uh, tyranny. Uh, we put uh, the Republicans, the Democrats, we put uh, democracy, uh, socialism, communism, Nazism, fascism, uh, where the founding fathers would be. We put where the libertarians would be, where the anarchists would be, and, and the dictators would be. We, we sort of went through the whole political process of defining where these people are on the political spectrum. It was really fascinating. So we, we covered a Absolutely. lot of ground yesterday. Yeah, covered a lot of ground. All right, sir, so you have okay. a good day, and we'll talk later. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. All right, thank you. Bye now. Which opens the lineup for anybody else that wants to join us here, which would be kind of cool. Do I have anything else I haven't played yet? I don't think so. Huh. Well, I take a break anyway and play you uh, one of my fun things, my Christmas greetings. <laughs> so I made this a couple of years ago before the um, – uh, before the first Christmas in 2020. So it's a little bit dated, but still kind of funny, I think. Hello, everyone. It's that time of year again. So here is just a friendly little message from your Action Radio revolutionaries. In preparation for Christmas and New Year's, we have just a few ideas and suggestions to make your holiday complete. Granted, these are times of adversity brought about by bureaucrats in what we affectionately call the leftist lockdown orgasmic power trip. But don't let a completely illegal, martial law-style abdication and removal of your constitutional rights get in the way of a decent glass of eggnog with friends. After all, six-foot social distancing is a completely false concept for a virus that can linger in the air for hours in aerosol form, can be sneezed well over 200 feet, can travel through an entire 10-story building central air system in a couple of minutes and goes through a mask like a mosquito through a chain-link fence. So, no matter what you do, everyone is getting exposed sometime. Leaving the healthy people alone accomplishes this in about 10 weeks. So, this should have been done the end of May. Speaking of masks, besides being a violation of your Fourth Amendment rights against seizure of your person, in this case, your face, without due process, the state can't make you wear a mask. So... Go home if you're sick, but if not, go free face, as all real Americans are doing, and enjoy the Christmas season. Apparently, there is a deplorable lack of New Year's resolutions this year. Well, I have one. Hmm. To resist. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to restore and rejuvenate that inner rugged individual the left has tried so hard to put behind a mask and lockdown, and I'm going to resist. So, you find a creative way to resist, there's your revolution resolution. Remember, folks, those Twilight Zone episodes where people wore masks? They were supposed to make you think, not make you copy them. Family values should be emphasized this Christmas with the traditions that bind us together. Sit as close as you can at dinner. Remember those wet kisses from Grandma when you were a kid? 
engage in spirited debates. Don't forget to use serving dishes where everyone sticks their own personal fork and spoon in, all in the interest of sharing. Remind everyone that closing churches violates the First Amendment. Closing businesses without criminal convictions violates our Fifth Amendment right to life, liberty, and property. And closing schools denies our kids their right to an education. So, you may want to point that out to your governors and mayors this festive season so they understand their transgressions and can repent. I would have suggested you go to New York this year, but quite frankly, they don't have the balls to celebrate New Year's. (laughs) No, really, the ball isn't dropping. Maybe we should rename Times Square Tiananmen Square West. Remember that there are many great gifts you can share this Christmas, particularly AR-15s and AK-47s. Those tend to warm the heart. As we say at Action Radio, world peace through strength. Just remember that everything the government tells you is wrong. So if you want to avoid COVID, don't take the vaccine. Go to the beach instead. Get that sunshine and vitamin D. Stay away from home. Engage in commerce and business. Travel as much as you can. Work out at crowded gyms. Drive extensively, preferably with the windows open. Patronize businesses that are in open rebellion. And resist, resist, resist the doctor dictatorship. In closing, let me just say Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and Happy Hanukkah. Muslims, you don't have a holiday at this time, so just go eat Chinese food on Christmas Eve and meet some really nice Jewish folks. Hey, they might be your neighbors. This is Greg Penglis for Action Radio. We're back. Yeah, I'm back. It's just me right now. 215-388-3382 is the number. Uh, we got a Skype line. You can call in, and then I have to approve you. Usually get in the next day. we got live chat, which uh, I don't check as much as I should, but that's open right now. And so there's many ways to uh, to uh, contact us here uh, at Action Radio. Well, actually, just me right now. Um, my basic intention, though, and this is what uh, the, the, so the, the theme is, I'm, I'm finding it impossible to believe that as bad as this country has become in such a short time, that anybody could vote for Democrats at all and, and that uh, most people can, you know, or, or even vote for Republicans. So, you know, I'm not, it's not that I want a red wave because I love the Republican party. I want I want more Republicans so they can stop the Democrats, but the Republicans themselves have not what, you know, done what I would call proven themselves worthy uh, of election. I think the American people know that and that's the problem. So again, I had one person uh, who was commenting uh, on Facebook earlier about uh, how uh, they think the problem is that the Trump supporters are ruining the Republican party. Well, I think the Republican Party is ruining the Trump supporters. <laughs> you know, Trump supporters have it right. So I was just scrolling through Facebook randomly uh, during the, the, the piece, my, my Christmas thing, because I've heard it before <laughs> many times. Uh, and I, I'm not going to mention the name of the person, but they post a good thing. It says, uh, all good patriots need to wash their hands of the Republican Party and form a new constitution party that we can rally around. A party uncorrupted by decades of lobbying, deal making, and favor swapping. A party beholden to no one and no thing but the Constitution. 
The time has come. This is another action we can take to show we are non-acceptance of the status quo. And, of course, my comment is who's to say that the Constitution Party won't become just as corrupt as the Republican Party? There's no guarantee of that. My problem, quite honestly, is the fact that there are parties at all. I think parties have ruined politics because, you know, in the House and the Senate, the majority party, which may only – look at the Democrats. The Democrats hold power in the Senate, and they're the minority party. There are 48 Democrats – there have been 48 Democrat senators the last two years, and yet they held the majority. Well, how'd they do it? Well, because they had two people they said were, were Democrats when they were really independents, and they were caucusing with the Democrats. So they added those two. They said that because the vice president is a Democrat, that actually adds another Democrat to the Senate when the vice president is not part of the Senate. The vice president is completely separate and only has one duty to come in and break a tie if there actually happens to be a tie in the Senate. But the vice president is not and never has been, never will be part of the Senate. So her vote, you know, whatever party membership the vice president is, cannot be counted towards the majority in the Senate because they're not in the Senate. They're in the executive branch of the government. So for, for many reasons, the Republicans were the majority in the Senate because they had 50 senators. They have been the last two years, yet they've refused to take that power, which is crazy. That makes no sense, right? So, so I don't have any faith in Republicans, which is why I call them the gelding old party. But as bad as the country was, you know, the last two years, and people have forgotten how good it was, 2017 to 2019, before COVID was introduced by Dr. Fascist, the gain-of-function researchers, uh, maybe the Wuhan lab, maybe the you know, the North Carolina military lab. I mean, all those different labs. And that's, the, you know, this is, this is a man-made creation. Uh, they created the vaccine, you know, probably 2005, 2010, and then just, you know, worked on a virus to be worthy of, the, of this little vaccine they've created, whereas the vaccine actually gives you the virus. So it's quite fascinating. So as bad as the country was, with all those things I went through, with the terrible economy, you know, with the, with the no border wall, with millions of illegal aliens committing crimes and taking up space that they do not deserve and cannot have, and are even voting something they cannot do. I disagree with Pianchi on that. I do not believe there's a law that allows illegal aliens to vote anywhere that is, that is lawful under the Constitution, because the Constitution is for we the people. You know, the census is for we the people of the United States, which means the lawful citizens of the United States, because only citizens can vote, only citizens should be counted when it comes to creating congressional districts. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. You know, would you take customers outside your, your, your company to determine what products, you know, how, how your products are doing? You know, they have no stake in it. <laughs> you know, illegal aliens have no stake and they have no rights here because you, you can't have a right in a place you're not allowed to be in. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. I'll, I'll, I'll just meet them on logic and rationality, uh, logic and reason. And they lose. They lose in several different ways. You know, it's because they, they decide things based on their agenda, not on what the Constitution says. So I go back to my original premise. That is impossible to believe. Um, that, uh, that these things would happen. Is it impossible to believe that the Republicans would be, would be caught so flat-footed on Election Day um, that they were worried about the vote fraud, which apparently, I, I, mean, I think there was the usual vote fraud, not as extreme as 2020, um, but the Democrats said the Republicans are watching for vote fraud. Let's sabotage the, the polling places on Election Day. So they're always one step ahead. Now, I didn't see that one coming. I'll be honest. I did not see the, the, the sabotage, but I knew that it was, it was a bad idea to have only Republicans voting on election. Well, not only, but the majority of Republicans voting on election day and the majority of Democrats voting early. I just knew that was a problem, and I was alerted to it by Dick Morris, who basically said it was a problem because of how the Democrats can use that to their advantage. And I'm thinking, okay, he's right. That's the first thing. Secondly, you know, what am I going to do about it? Well, vote early. Well, I don't want to mail in because that's fraud. I don't want to drop box because that's fraud. You know, anytime else have to be transported, there's fraud. So there's so much fraud in the system. And then there's Maricopa County, which we talked about earlier. You know, all those people should have been arrested after 2020 for vote fraud because it's so bad what they're doing, so horrendous, 
so horrible. But that's my contention, is that there is no cure out there. You know, you can't have the Republicans cure the Democrats. The Demo- you know, you've got Democrat Marxists that basically want to destroy this country and make us a, a Marxist state and the, and the global, you know, global government. Right? That, we know that's what they want. I mean, it's obvious. Everything they do goes towards it. Destruction of, uh, you know, God, family, and country. And so that's pretty obvious. The Republicans are the, the co-opted, you know, the, the controlled opposition. So they're, they're the fake opposition. They're not, they're not real opposition. If they're real opposition, they never would have allowed Brandon to take office. Instead, Mike Pence and the deep state put him in office. That's why he's there. Okay? They want him there. They didn't want Trump there because Trump interfered with all the things we talked about the other day uh, in that article on who makes the laws. And the fact that there's amazing uh, cooperation and money between the vested interests of, of corporations, wealthy individuals, special interest groups, uh, and the members of Congress. You know, and then, and then Congress sells the laws to the lobbyists. The lobbyists buy the laws through uh, contributions, political trips, events, you know, fancy restaurants, and all that kind of stuff. So they buy from Congress the laws that they want for their special interests that they represent. That's what a lobbyist does now. You know? And, and so uh, those laws get to Congress, the Congress to the president, president of the regulatory agencies, regulatory agencies to us. And we have these ridiculous things imposed upon us because it benefits the, the, the special interests. Well, the whole point of Action Radio, as I've said a number of times, is to reverse that. We reverse that so the laws come from us to benefit us by, by increasing freedom for everybody. They go to Congress because we have the vote, and that's the incentive for them to vote for the, the laws that we give them. All right? and if they're not good laws, then they should say so. That's why you put your laws to a legislature, so they can study them and say, yep, we like this one, we don't like that one. That's the job. That's, that's, that's why you have a legislature. That's why you have a constitution. So we're not changing anything in the constitution. We're following the Constitution. We're just supplying bills from a different source. We're not special interests. Hopefully, we're general interests of the people promoting the general welfare, like it says in the Constitution, so that we can have laws that benefit everybody. That's the whole point. So you need to take the laws out that benefit special interests, like uh, vaccine product liability immunity for Big Pharma, and put on vaccine product liability on Big Pharma. Give them their liability back. That would benefit everybody. That would increase freedom. That would hold them responsible for all the damage they're doing in terms of injuries and deaths. Right now, they're not responsible. Well, that's crazy. You want to talk about a law bought from Congress? That one. The other law that was bought from Congress is big tech. Big tech has the ability to legally censor and uh, ban accounts. It's in the law. I've read it. Section 230 of, of title, I think it's 47 or 42. Anyway, whatever title it is, it's Section 230. Uh, and, but if you, if you change four lines in Section 230, then they can't ban things. They can't affect your account. They can't touch your account with losing the uh, liability immunity from being sued for touching your account. So that's how you fix that. So all these things are fixable. So I'm just at a loss right now is to try and understand, you know, what happened last night, what's going on. I'll check the news after the show uh, and we'll see, uh, we'll see what's, what's, what's going on there. Um, but uh, it's, uh, here's what I expect is going to happen. I'm pretty sure that the House will switch to the GOP, but not enough to really affect change. They're just going to hold off uh, and this is a good thing, too. They'll hold off future trillion-dollar spending. They'll hold off stupid laws. They'll hold off, you know, gender-affirming stuff, which I call Frankenstein medicine. Uh, they'll hold off uh, gun control, which is obviously unconstitutional. They'll hold off the stupid stuff the Democrats want to do. The Senate, the best thing they can do, as I mentioned earlier, is stop judicial appointments. So they can hold up, you know, liberal wacko judges like uh, Jackson, who's on the Supreme Court now, from getting on the Supreme Court and other courts. So that's the best thing they can do. And, of course, both of them combined, if they're uh, held by the GOP, they can stop any number of things that, uh, that the leftists, you know, the Obama-Brandon administration want to do in Obama's third term. So that's how I see that. 
anyway, I got a couple of, uh, that's pretty much all. Well, let me do one more thing here. So I mentioned this as well. I wrote this on Facebook, but uh, here's another problem. The other big problem I have with the election is the issues they didn't talk about. All right, so I wrote this piece here, and I didn't include family law in this list, even though that's a state issue uh, more than anything else. But um, issues not addressed by the GOP in this election. The national debt. How to send the illegals home and when. Canceling all remaining COVID spending and stopping the printing, printing of money to stop inflation. Stop the destruction of our oil and gas industry and end all subsidies of electric cars. Finishing the wall. Connecting, excuse me, correcting the 2020 election for Trump. Restoring the Abraham Accords creating a new Justice Department without the FBI, eliminating all federal gun control laws, and the most important issue that neither party ever talks about, bringing the federal government into compliance with the Constitution. And I said, this is a partial list. So at the state level, reforming family court is critical, uh, as Pianchi was talking about with me earlier, making sure illegal aliens under no circumstances vote. Uh, also making sure the juries understand they have the power of jury nullification to overturn laws that they consider unjust based on their knowledge of the Constitution, or lack thereof, they can learn that, um, or the fact that it's just, you know, these, these laws don't work in practice. A lot of times laws are made that don't work in practice. You know, the police are famous for, for saying, I can't enforce these gun control laws. We can't do this in practice. It won't work. It's too expensive. It's insane. It doesn't accomplish anything. So that's how that works. So it, a lot of times the things that weren't talked about, and of course the biggest one at the state level is family court. We, family court is abysmal. Family court needs to be, you know, jury uh, trials. You know, if you want to do divorce and it's a, it's a, it's a contract dispute, you know, bring in a jury. I mean, they bring in a jury to determine fair market value of property that the state is taking under eminent domain. Why wouldn't they bring in a jury uh, to determine whether the judge and the, the guardians and the social workers and the psychologists and the opposing attorneys are actually uh, creating a fair judgment? And that's what a jury could do in family court. So that's not talked about. There's a bunch of things not talked about. So I have a couple of articles here. Uh, I may shut down the show early if nobody calls, or I might just, you know, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I got I got many things to cover. I don't think I want to cover the uh, the uh, the UN Declaration of Human Rights. I think I'm going to do that tomorrow. But let me see if I can find you something to kind of hold you over here for a little bit. Where I go, hmm. Well, I think. Well, actually, there's a couple of things I did discover. Uh, a couple of articles on uh, rebuilding America. I might go over those. And uh, failing anybody else come in, yeah, I might hold the show at this. But uh, see if I can play you something that really sort of defines. You know what's going on these days. And I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. No, I don't want to play that one yet. I got so many themes of people. You know, what I might do is just make a musical interlude. Uh, I haven't done that for a while. I've got a bunch of classical pieces I added to the show, and just because I like music, I man, I love music, and uh, and so sound effects, programs, things like that, sarcastic things. But this just to uh, just to get some some beauty into your life after the election. It's not all politics. It's not all bad news. It's not all uh, criticism of everything. Uh, let's just. Uh, Play this one.
that one might be a bit long for, for normal stuff, but it was a nice break. So again, uh, there's beauty in the world, there's wonder in the world, there's, uh, there's spirituality in the world, there's all kinds of things. That's why, we, uh, that's why I do so many different things on action radio that are you know, non-traditional radio kind of stuff because I'm interested in a lot of stuff. And so I'll continue to uh, break new ground every chance I get. All right, let's get back to, uh, there is one political thing here, and I found this article. Um, I was trying to think, Peter Navarro, when he was on, uh, introduced me to his book, and his book is, uh, you know, Getting uh, Trump Back. Uh, you know, I forgot the exact title, but sorry, Peter. <laughs> I'll have to look it up. But anyway, uh, it's like uh, bringing the Trump, uh, um, you know, administration back in, in 2024. And so I think, you know, Trump's going to be announcing soon. That's going to be great because uh, he does have the vision. He is the unifying person and he is the driving force against both parties, uh, quite honestly. So the people who are Trump supporters are generally not what I call the strongest Republicans. I mean, they're in the Republican Party because they can't be Democrats. But um, but it's, it's not just a uh, it's not a straight party thing. Trump as a whole is outside the parties, really. Uh, and that's what I find fascinating. Anyway, so one of the things that uh, that's in Peter's book is and he didn't really I'm not going to go back and check it out but in, in the, the parts that I read that don't have the whole detailed explanation on uh, how to get the illegals out of here that uh, Brandon's bringing in because they can't stay I mean they have to go uh, in fact we have 30 plus million maybe 50 million illegal aliens all of which you know have to go back to their home countries and apply for citizenship oh gee Greg that's impossible well so what it still has to be done and you have to do this to make sure that no that illegals stop coming so you have to make the situation here so miserable that they leave and, and make it so difficult to get in that they don't come back. <clears throat> because we want a country. We have a, the right to a country. No one ever t- this is another thing that was never talked about in the election. We have a right to a country free of illegal aliens. We do not have to tolerate illegal aliens in our country because they're illegal aliens. Okay? Now, the government wants them and certain corporations want them. And I know there's special interests that want them, but that's their problem, not mine. As a citizen, we do not have to tolerate illegal aliens in our country. We have the right to a country. Now, it's not stated in law or in the Constitution, but I believe part of the rights of citizenship is that we have a right to a country without people who are here illegally. And we shall see. Anyway, this article I found, How President Eisenhower Dealt with America's First Illegal Immigrant Crisis. Should have been Illegal Alien Crisis. Keith Farrell. I think he's the one from Judicial Watch, but I'm not sure. Uh, Maybe I'll check check the bio at the bottom here. It's Keith Farrell. Keith is a graduate of the University of Connecticut, founder and president of the Spirit of 76 National Nonprofit Organization. I want you to donate to Action Radio. In fact, I, I, I want to put the word out here to all the donors that lost money on Republican candidates that didn't win. <laughs> okay, I'm, you know, instead of spending millions on them, if you could toss a little, you know, some, some donations towards Action Radio way, Radio's way, and we can advance our citizen legislation, it doesn't matter who's in office. If we have the votes, you know, we have the citizens behind us, we can get some really good laws passed regardless of which party is controlling Congress. So I think beyond the parties, you know, into the laws themselves. If changing the people has no effect, then change the laws directly. All right. How, America's, how President Eisenhower dealt with America's first illegal immigrant crisis. April 3rd, 2015. So this is a fairly old article, but it's still, because what Eisenhower did was, you know, even further beyond that. So it says, this is not the first time the U.S. has dealt with an illegal immigration problem. Only the last time it was dealt with in a decidedly swifter and sterner manner. The response, coordinated by President Dwight Eisenhower, resulted in nearly 3 million illegal immigrants being sent home. Well, I should say illegal aliens, because aliens are not immigrants. Illegal aliens are not immigrants. They have no immigrant status. They have no right to be here. They cannot be called immigrants. The only people that can be called immigrants are people that are here legally, that were invited to come here and came here as immigrants. 
illegal aliens did not come here as immigrants. They came here as illegal aliens. They remain illegal aliens. Their status doesn't change in the fact that they don't have a status in this country, and that's why you can send them home and make their life miserable if they're here. Put them on a reservation. There's an idea. You know, in fact, especially those that are awaiting their hearing, that have escaped into the country, the, 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 the gotaways and the ones that, the, the ones that never show up their immigration hearing, yeah, put them on a reservation on their way out. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't probably making the life miserable for illegals because they shouldn't have come here in the first place. I don't care what the, the, you know, Brandon says, come on in, or what it says on the Statue of Liberty, come on in, give us your tired, your, your hungry, your huddled masses yearning to be free. I say, great, come here, but come legally. You know, so that we can control our border, we can control our nation, so that we will be a prosperous nation. You, you know, you get enough people here, we will cease to be a prosperous nation. It's going to be a free-for-all state like Venezuela. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be hell. <laughs> of course, that's what the rest of the world wants, so that we're all equal. See, this is, this is equality. This is, what, this is what equality looks like, folks. Worldwide equality looks like the United States looking like every other poor country. Back to the article. During his administration, Eisenhower became the first American president forced to deal with problems stemming from illegal immigration. Only in Eisenhower's time, the politically correct culture of liberal sensitivities had yet to emerge. So we're keeping illegals here because of sensitivity, because of uh, liberal culture. That's a stupid reason. Back to the article. There was not much in the way of sympathy for those who had crossed into the country illegally. I see that's the difference. See, in those days, people would say, well, we're just coming here for a better life. Well, we don't care. Go home and get a better life. You know, make your country better. We made our country better. You make your country better. And we will help. We will, we, will, we will show you the path of freedom and free markets that will bring prosperity to you. I think that's what El Salvador is doing. I'll probably look into that, that for tomorrow. So then it says, Eisenhower told the New York Times exactly what had caused the problem. The rise in illegal border crossing by Mexican illegal immigrants to the current rate of more than 1 million cases a year has been accompanied by a curious relaxation in ethical standards extending all the way from the farmer exploiters of, the, of this contraband labor to the highest levels of the federal government. So, yeah, so there we go. There was the problem. This is back in 1950. What was this? Scroll back up here. Um, I thought you said 1950-something. Anyway, it's probably, it's probably 1950. That's when Eisenhower was president, so that's what I'm assuming. Article says Ike, that's what the, the Eisenhower called himself Ike, right? Took quick and decisive action. He used 1,075 Border Patrol agents to seal the border. In doing so, he observed he achieved a task our government today deems impossible with a force that is 10% larger. Once the border was sealed, of course, a lot larger than that now, right? He says, uh, once the border was sealed, Eisenhower went about the process of removing the millions of illegal aliens. See, this is something I, I hadn't realized, but it makes a lot of sense that the border, the, the border wall is not only to keep people out, but you seal the border and you, have, you, you, you basically capture the people that are here illegally and it makes it much easier to deport them. So he says, well, I got noise on my back now. I might have to uh, play something in a minute and close another window. Sorry about that. Technical difficulties. What am I going to do? So anyway, so it says Eisen, once the border was sealed, Eisenhower went about the process of removing the millions of illegal aliens. Okay, in June of 1954. Okay, there's the thing. He appointed the retired uh, general Joseph Jump and Joe Swing to head what the, he called Operation Wetback. Now some might term that derogatory today. I do. <laughs> uh, that the name, if I believe it came from Mexicans who crossed the Rio Grande. You know, of course they're obviously wet, having crossed through a river. Uh, and hence the derogatory term wetback. I would call it something else. I'd call it Operation Citizenship, you know, or something like that, but I wouldn't call it Operation Wetback. Anyway, they did back in 1954. Of course, there was segregation then, too, from the Democrats, so that's another story. So Operation Wetback, which sent local and federal officials on sweeps of Mexican neighborhoods looking for illegals. Oh, that makes sense. 
within uh, yeah again you know do so 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 the question is do do illegals have rights in this country take that as you will let's see what happens all right within one month fifty thousand illegals had been captured and deported where nearly half a million more fled the country to avoid arrest isn't that interesting fifty thousand illegal aliens have been captured and deported nearly half a million more fled the country to avoid arrest so you capture fifty thousand and ten times more than that leave isn't that wonderful so we don't have to capture all the illegal aliens. We just have to capture, you know, say we capture 10% and, and, and uh, 10 times more leave. Well, that'd be very interesting. But I got a plan that you don't have to do any of that. Well, we'll talk about that later. So, and then it says, by September, 80,000 more illegals have been removed from the state of Texas alone. And between 500,000 to 700,000 more have fled the country. That's called self-deportation, folks. That's what you want. Self-deportation. You want to make life so miserable for illegal aliens here that they leave the country. Okay, And you can do that because they have no rights here. Right? The article says these illegals weren't just dropped at the border. Swing arranged for buses and trains to take immigrants deep into Mexico before releasing them. Tens of thousands more were shipped by boat from Texas to Veracruz, Mexico. Using, men, using less manpower and resources than the federal government has today, Eisenhower was able to seal the border and send nearly 3 million illegal aliens home. The policy that had that uh, had that excuse me the policy had the added effectiveness of deterring future illegal crossings. See, that's the other benefit. If you kick the illegals out, then it deters more from coming here. The reason so many are coming here is because so many are coming here. I mean, it's, it's self-fulfilling prophecy. It says, whereas today illegal immigrants are given government aid and college tuition, policies which have undoubtedly contributed to an increase in illegal immigration, the economic effects aside, the level of illegal immigration today represents a grave national security concern. Whereas Eisenhower's policies deterred such activity, Democrat policies only further encouraged the flow of undocumented persons, in other words, illegal aliens, over our southern border. So there you go. That's how I thought of it then. Uh, I said, I got, I said, I got one from the Washington Times too. Let's see about this one. Do 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 do. do. All right. Um, okay, I'm I can do a lot more than Linda Luz. I kind of like this. This next one will be a lot shorter. So Beethoven. Once uh, this one's different. A little Tchaikovsky for you. Enjoying these little musical interludes between articles. I, I certainly am, because if I just straight read and, and talk to myself here, because no one's on the line, uh, which is which happens. Not often, but it happens. Um, 
that this is, uh, it's kind of, I think, a nice way to get through it, a little bit of break in between. All right, here's another take on Eisenhower and the illegals, and this is from the Washington Times. This is Friday the 13th, <laughs> rather than July 2007. That's, I think that's kind of interesting. This is Eisenhower and illegals. Let's see if I can find who wrote this article. Who wrote this article? It's probably at the bottom somewhere. I'll get to it. It says, when the Senate's, am- the Senate's amnesty bill met its inglorious end on June 28th, the American people dodged a bullet. With amnesty legislation now off the table, so that's another good reason for a Republican Congress, putting amnesty off the table, all right? It is time to get serious about border control and enforcement of our nation's immigration laws. Maybe we can learn something from the way President Eisenhower handled the same problem in 1953 when he moved into the White House. Eisenhower was faced with a porous border that saw a million illegal aliens apprehended in 1951, and the total number of illegal aliens in the country was estimated to be above 3 million. Well, it's at least 10 times or more of that, maybe 20 times that now, but certainly 10 times that, at least 30 million. So here's what's interesting. I just think about Eisenhower. Why was he taking such direct action? Eisenhower also sent troops into uh, uh, Mississippi uh, to enforce desegregation. So Eisenhower was not afraid of action. Eisenhower was the Supreme Allied Commander in World War II. He's the one that basically organized and, and operated D-Day. Okay? So it, the, the man that could do D-Day would think nothing of, of kicking illegal aliens out of our country. I mean, he, he basically conquered countries in Europe, you know, Germany, <laughs> you know, Nazi Germany. Uh, and so uh, he and uh, Field Marshal uh, Montgomery and uh, who else was, uh, you know, some of the, I guess, uh, the, to a lesser extent, the French, uh, which were really brave in World War I. Unfortunately, it was a stupid, well, both wars were kind of stupid. Um, but it's interesting that the British and the Americans basically uh, on one side and the Russians on the other side defeated Nazi Germany. So someone who could take that action in Europe you know, would have no problem kicking out illegal aliens from this country and rounding them up and deporting them. So that's the kind of action we need. I don't think Trump would have a problem with that either. Uh, but I think there's a better way to do it now uh, because of optics and the political condition that we're in, uh, but still have the same effect. So, you know, you have to get smarter about these things now. So the article says the Bracero program uh, brought, illegal, brought legal agricultural workers to the southwest from Mexico beginning in 1942. So that's the Bracero program. Let me stop for a second and define what a migrant is. This is a migrant. Legal agricultural workers are migrants. They migrate, which means they go to one place and then they go home. Okay? Uh, you know, birds, whales, when animals migrate, butterflies, <laughs> they go from one place to another and then back again. They don't, stay in the same, they don't stay in one place where they've gone and sit there. So people coming to this country illegally are not migrants. If they're migrants, they, they'd be legal. They do a particular job and they go home. That's what a migrant is. Okay, these people are not migrants; they're not immigrants. They are illegal aliens. Back to the article. The Bracero program brought legal agricultural workers to the southwest from Mexico beginning in 1942. World War II. That's kind of interesting. When the region faced a genuine labor shortage due to World War II. Okay, there we go. Yeah, but by 1953, the program had deteriorated into a corrupt system for importing cheap labor for Texas and California employers. Big surprise. The contract laborers had by then discovered that they could leave the farms and make equal or better wages in Los Angeles, Dallas, and Phoenix. Hmm, sound familiar? The sheep ranchers of Colorado and Wyoming made the same complaint about the contract sheep herds, herders they bring in from Peru and Portugal. Hmm, gauchos. <laughs> Here we go. Anyway, so 1950, President Truman's Commission on Migratory Labor in Texas reported that cotton growers in Texas Rio Grande Valley paid wages that were about half the farm wages paid elsewhere in the state. But when immigration agents rounded up illegal workers in the region, employers complained and pulled strings to end the roundup. Again, this sounds all too familiar. Yeah, corporations are really guilty about illegal aliens working here because uh, they're, they're quite happy to pay illegals 
you know, half the money they pay Americans to get the job done. So they say these are jobs Americans won't do. Well, if you're employing illegal aliens, there are jobs Americans can't do because you're employing illegal aliens. <laughs> okay. So uh, it's not that Americans won't do it, that uh, they can't. So uh, that's why illegal aliens can't work here. And if they did, they should be paid what Americans would be paid if they could work here. Margaret's thing. Back to the article. Eisenhower inherited the mess and decided to act. He told his attorney general, who supervised the Immigration and Naturalization Service, the INS, and the Border Patrol, that he wanted the Bracero program ended and the border secured. In 1954, Eisenhower appointed a West Point classmate, Jumpin' Joe Swing, who we talked about in the previous article, as head of the INS. One of Commissioner Swing's first acts was to transfer a number of old-time Border Patrol managers out of the border areas to disrupt the cozy relationships with local employers and politicians. Oh, gee, that sounds familiar, too. <laughs> During a two-month period, June and July 1954, a force of less than 800 INS agents rounded up and repatriated more than 50,000 illegal aliens in California and Arizona. The agency estimated at the time that more than 400,000 fled back to Mexico in fear of deportation. See, once you're deported, you can't come back, as far as I know. I think uh, deportation is like uh, for life. You then become persona non grata, you know, a person, person that's not, uh, not uh, graciously invited in. Anyway, so that's what that means. Anyway, from July to the end of September, more than 80,000 were arrested in Texas and more than 500,000 left. Left Texas voluntarily by the end of the year. Today, the bureaucrats self-deportation, oh, I call it too, but I prefer to call it returning home. <laughs> Maybe I should start calling that. Let's call it return. I think I'll take it. Yeah, screw self-deportation. I'll call it returning home too. In fact, going home might be considerably easier today for the millions of illegal aliens uh, that have Bank of America credit cards. Yeah, you take away their credit card. It says, unquestionably, mass roundups and removals would be far more difficult politically in 2007. Oh, stop popping the article. Go back where it was. I think they're going to give me an ad. This is a good part, too. Okay, get rid of the ad. I don't want to see the ad. I'm going to go back to my article. They do this, too. Right, let me move my screen around a little bit here. So we can get back to where I was. Oh, the ANS ran up. Okay. Unquestionably, there we go. Mass roundups and removals will be far more difficult uh, politically in 2007 than they were in 1954. Let me just make sure my microphone's still on here. Hang on just a second. Yeah, we're good. Okay, so let me do that. Do this. 1954. Yeah, it says we, we now have 15 million or more illegal aliens instead of only 3 million. Now we have 30 million in 2022 uh, of only 3 million, and they occupy jobs in many sectors of the economy besides agriculture. The INS and Border Patrol sweeps under Eisenhower were confined largely to the four southwest border states, whereas today the problem has spread across the nation. Yet, however effective roundups of illegal aliens at work sites may be, that is not the only way to encourage illegal aliens to return home. The real lesson we need to take from the Eisenhower era is not the specific methods employed in the 1954 mass roundups, but the resolve to tackle the problem head on. I agree. Once Eisenhower, to the article, once Eisenhower award, uh, ordered the federal government to get serious about immigration and law enforcement, about one third of the illegal aliens self-deported within a year. In that period, almost 10 times as many illegal aliens went home voluntarily as were deported by the INS. So every illegal alien deported means about a, means 10 voluntarily leave. That's a 10 to one ratio. That's pretty good. So if you want to get rid of 30 million illegal aliens, you know, you, you get rid of 3 million, <laughs> you know, and you make it impossible that 3 million, the rest of them go up, oh, I'm getting out of here. Again, the more miserable you make life for illegal aliens in this country, the faster they will leave and you don't have to round them up. 
And I'm curious what this article says. I never actually got this far in it. So this is kind of new to me too, which is kind of fun to read articles that are new to me because then I get to re, you know, react instantaneously. Article says, in truth, the specter of mass deportations is a boogeyman used to ridicule the very idea of aggressive enforcement of our immigration laws. I agree. They would say today the optics are bad. Okay? I don't believe in mass roundups. I think there are much better ways to uh, have illegal aliens return home. Article says, if we were ever again to have a president with Eisenhower's courage, that would be Trump, won't have to use that weapon. All he will have to do is to signal that our open borders are closed and our immigration laws will actually be enforced. But Congress need not wait for the ca- that caliber of presidential leadership. Congress can act. <laughs> Maybe. Depends about the geldings. They, they, they'll see if the geldings can act. Uh, it says the American people want Congress to appropriate the funds to build the border fence, which we now call the wall, build the border patrol to 20,000 officers. Well, we can take, take 87,000 IRS agents and make it even bigger. And then it says deport all criminal aliens expeditiously and enforce our existing work site laws. That would be E-Verify. When we do that, when the message is crystal clear, that the border will be secure, that jobs will vanish, and criminal activity will be punished, we will see a rapid reduction in the size of the illegal alien population without resorting to mass roundups. The exodus southward will also mean that Mexico will see an increase in political pressure to fix its own economic problems. Oh, I know. This is is Representative Tom Tancredo, Colorado Republican, is founder of the House Immigration Reform Caucus and is former chairman. That is a great article. I'll post that on, uh, on Facebook. Got to a couple more, two more that I want to do. Uh, in the meantime, I'm going to have a, another musical interlude because this is fun. I'm having fun playing all these things. Uh, let's see if I can get you something that's, that's totally different. Ah, this is totally different. Let me draw my little my little interludes here. Let me get uh, one more thing for you as we uh, as we get going. Action radio, dangerously cool. That was actually suggested by a friend of him who said, "You at Action Radio, you guys are dangerously cool." I thought, "Hmm, I got to use that." So uh, yeah, that wasn't original of mine. So I found a, a website here, uh, and it's called it's called Contribute. Uh, oh no, it's called News with Views. There we go. That's the, the that's the Contribute button. My mistake. News with Views, where reality shatters illusion. And there's a pastor, uh, Pastor Roger uh, Angus. Uh, almost sounds like Pengos. I wonder if we're related. A N G H I S. Pastor Robert Angus wrote in. This was in News with Views. Uh, the Rebuilding of America, and this is part one, now I'll get to part two, and that'll, that'll be it for the show today. Uh, it was written October 30th, 2022, so we're talking recently, <laughs> this is like a week and a half, was, yeah, a little, less, a little over a week ago, 
This is pretty good stuff. In it. Well, I like to have current articles. So he says, this is called The Rebuilding of America. The American people have gotten lazy over the years in not paying attention to our politicians. Well, that was showed yesterday big time. It might be that we have been distracted with so many other things that we have determined that we don't have time to worry about those that are places about those uh, that are in places of authority. Soccer practice, uh, piano lessons, bridge clubs, and the list goes on. Does anybody play bridge anymore? I don't. My parents play bridge. It's like an older person's game. Anyway, it says we have we have so much. Uh, that demands our attention, we have become addicted to entertainment, sports, concerts, comedy shows, and vacations. It used to be that our politicians were upright people that did what was best for the people who put them in office. Then the politicians began to see that they could enrich themselves and the general public would never know. <laughs> we know now. In 2019, Joe, Biden reported, Joe Biden's reported net worth was $9 million. Let me say that again. In 2019, Joe Biden's reported net worth was $9 million. Just three years later, that net worth skyrocketed to $41 million. Wow, what a surprise. How did that happen? All right. How do you do that on a salary of $500,000 a year? Kamala Harris's net worth in 2019 was $6.3 million. And in 2022, it jumped to $428 million. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm sorry, but their investments were that, were, that were in place before they were elected could never increase that much. Okay, I'm a little suspicious that $428 million, because there's no dollar sign in front of it. I'm going to say $28 million. I'm going to just uh, – I think that's a misprint. Nobody goes from, from, uh, from $6.3 million to $428 million. That's half a billion. Okay, let's, say, let's just say for the sake of argument, it went from $6.3 million to, four, to, to $28 million. That actually makes more sense. Anyway, it says uh, corruption is the only reason for it. We see the same thing with Nancy Pelosi's stock portfolio. Buying stock in companies that the House is getting ready to pass favorable legislation, her husband given contracts to sell vacant government buildings, and who knows what else she's got her hand in. So, you know, all right, there we go. So let me, I misread that. Buying stock in companies that the House is getting ready to pass favorable legislation. There we go. It says this is not what our founders intended for our government officials. Benjamin Franklin wisely stated, when we, the people, find they can vote themselves money, that will herald the end of the republic. When we, the people, find that they can vote themselves money. There we go. That's, we talked about that with Brianna yesterday. All right? This is what today's politicians do. Quite often it comes in the form of under-the-table kickbacks and campaign contributions, but the bribery still occurs. John Adams told us our, con- our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. I think he's got a misreading of, of what the Franklin quote, when we the people find they can vote themselves money. And I think what it really means is that the top um, 49% of income earners will lose their money when the bottom 51% of income earners realizes that they can vote, they can get the politicians to give them the money. So they can vote, the bottom 51% of the population who wants the top 49% money can get it by simply electing politicians because they have the majority that will give them the top 49% money. That's what I think that really means. All right. He says, today's politicians claim they are religious, but pay no attention to the tenets of their faith. Both Pelosi and Biden claim to be practicing Catholics, but both of them support abortion and homosexual marriage. They have sworn to uphold the Constitution, but ignore it on a daily basis. We cannot stay a free nation unless we continue to adhere to the principle that we were founded upon. Sam Adams warned us, <clears throat> excuse me, if ever a time should come, when vain and aspiring men shall possess the highest seats in government, our country will stand in need of its experienced patriots to prevent its ruin. Well, guess what? <laughs> yeah. 
Coming to the rescue, Action Radio. Sam Adams, I want to see what we can do here. He says, our government is rife with vain and aspiring men. Most politicians in the Democrat Party and way too many in the Republican Party believe that the American taxpayer is the bank for all the needs of the rest of the world. We have given them over $60 billion when we have homeless vets and people being evicted from their homes because of the bad economy, which was caused by Democrat policies. Our border is in total chaos, and people are flooding into our country without being vetted. You'll never convince me that this isn't being done on purpose for the Democrats to get more voters. This is corruption on steroids. Things are so bad that there are people out there calling for a constitutional convention. This is idiocy on the highest level. I agree. What needs to be done is simply to remove the America last politicians and those that, as opposed to America first politicians, right? America last politicians and those that ignore the Constitution and replace them with people that will adhere to the Constitution. It's like that comment I read earlier on Facebook. We don't need a new Constitution. We need to follow the one we have, uh, the way the founders did and made us, you know, the most, pro- the most prosperous, giving, and powerful nation the world has ever seen. The group that is calling for the convention has a new constitution written that pretty much eliminates the Second Amendment, has red flag laws, and restricts the type of gun you can own and how many you can own. Our existing constitution is the best constitution that has ever been written, period. Follow it. I want to stop here for a second because I think this is very true. Uh, I have not seen it. I don't know about it. Um, I've always suspected that uh, there was more to the Constitutional Convention, folks, that that even the Convention of States, they say, well, we're going to hold... We're going to hold to just the things, just the principles we're talking about. We're only going to write amendments on the things we talk about. I'm like, no. Once you open up a constitutional convention, the left is going to show up in droves. The leftist media is going to show up in droves. The, the gelding GOP is going to cave, and the Constitution will be destroyed. This is why I'm so uh, fearful of a, of a convention of states, which will quickly degenerate into a, a constitutional convention. Only separate Amendments to the Constitution considered by the states, which is okay, um, but by the, by the Congress. See, the Constitution says that the states have to consider amendments in a constitutional convention or a convention of states. All right? That, I think, is a flaw in the Constitution. It's not perfect. That's a flaw. So what the states need to do is to pass by resolution a particular constitutional amendment, send it to the, the Congress, which hopefully, which hopefully will, will then you know, originate that same exact amendment, pass it, and then send it back to the states for ratification. That's how I think it has to go. So start with the states, to the, to the Congress, and then back to the states. Otherwise, you're, not, you're going to have a constitutional convention. Everything will be ruined. It says, I have to fall back on the words of Samuel Adams concerning the defense of our Constitution. The liberties of our country, the freedom of our Constitution, are worth defending at all hazards, and it is our duty to defend them against all attacks. It will bring an everlasting mark of infamy on the, pers- on the present generation, enlightened as it is, if we should suffer them to be wrestled, rested, from us by violence without a struggle or to be cheated out of them by the artifices of false and designing men. That's Sam Adams. What we have allowed, this is the author of the article, what we have allowed to happen is we've ignored the quality of the person we vote for. Consider the present person that occupies the White House. He was a senator from a state of Delaware and the Delaware Constitution when written by Richard Bassett stated, Article 22, it's the Delaware Constitution, Article 22, every person who shall be chosen a member of either house or appointed to any office of place or trust shall make and subscribe to the following declaration to wit, I do not, I so-and-so-and-so-and-so do profess faith in God the Father and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, and in the Holy Ghost, one God, blessed forevermore. And I do acknowledge the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be given by divine inspiration. 
The present occupant can no more say that, honestly, than I can claim European royalty. Now, I disagree with the author at this point. I agree with the Constitution, which says there shall be no religious test for holding office. So this is blatantly unconstitutional. It's kind of interesting. Well, it was written by a pastor. What do you expect, right? Uh, so, so I agree with some of this stuff, and some of it is right on. But here is completely dead wrong. You cannot have people take an oath to, uh, to, to swear a particular – it's almost like swearing allegiance to a religion. Uh, you can't do that. You, know, you can't have a religious test. And this is a religious test for becoming you know, a part of the government. However, we can still hold people to a higher moral standard. And if they profess a religious standard or affiliation, we can use that to judge them. But we can't require an action uh, to take office. That. He says, can we go back to what the founders intended for us to be? Yeah, but it will take a lot of work and sacrifice to do so. We may have to give up football games, soccer practices, movies, and more things that we enjoy doing. Um, I don't agree. I think you can have all those things and still make the country better. I, you know, a lot of times I'll bring up articles that I disagree with. This is one. It's got some good points, but he's good at identifying the problems, but the solutions totally suck. All right. He says, when you closely examine America today, you'll see that today's generation does not have the freedoms and liberty that my generation grew, grew up with uh, unless we put a stop to the government taking our freedoms and our grandchildren won't have the liberties we have today. Remember, the World Economic Forum that declared that by 2030, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. I'm not willing to go down that road. That is only a little more than seven years away. I'm not willing to give up my, no- my nation and my children's future to a world dictator just because he thinks he has a right to take away all that we have in America. So he's got it right partially. He's got it right with the world government. He's got it wrong with the religious test. He's got it wrong with some other things in there, too. All right. Uh, I got my, my 90-second warning, so I only have a little bit of time. I want to get to part two. I want to do part two of this article just to make it complete um, for, for this podcast. It's about the same length as part one. So let me play you yet another, my last musical interlude, which I'm having way too much fun with. And then we'll get to part two of making of America a recovery. And again, we disagree on how we think America should be, re, should be recovering um, based on what I've heard so far. So let me just get back to my section here. My voice is, I think, kind of going too. Well, it happens at the end of a bunch of hours of talking. Let's play you one more, one more musical selection. Do, 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 do. Where is my, where's the one I'm looking for here? Ah, this will hold us for a couple of minutes. Thank you. 
Wow, that just stopped kind of abruptly. <laughs> that was that was kind of crazy. Uh, I have to see. I haven't played these before, so I don't know exactly uh, how they work. But uh, it, it is fun to do this. Action Radio, dedicated to fixing everything. Yeah, that's for sure. I, I got some pretty big ambitions here. So this actually is working out well. I, I'm able to go through many more articles, um, being able to uh, talk about them here um, when I don't have a guest. <laughs> you know, you try talking for three hours straight. It's really tough to do, and quite frankly, I think it'd be rather boring. So back to News Diffuse, where reality, sh- reality shatters illusion. I've got the, the second part, part two, of the rebuilding of America from uh, Pastor Roger Angus, A-N-G-H-I-S. This was November 6, 2022, so three days ago. So it looks like it took a week to write his, his part two. He says, the foundation that America was built on is in shambles. Our federal government no longer operates the way the founders designed it to operate. The founders believed in a small federal government, but today we have a government that has overreached its constitutional boundaries by being involved in areas where it has no constitutional right and ignoring the areas where it is mandated to be. If we look at history, we see that governments that do whatever they want, as, as we see not just uh, whatever they want, as we see not just the federal government, but many states as well doing, it has evolved into a dictatorship from the constitutional republic that it started out as. Yeah, that's very true. That's where we're headed. Uh, this is why we have to change things. And again, changing the people doesn't seem to work. So this is why I think the only way to do this properly is to change the laws. He says, we have to recognize where our government has stepped over bounds so we can rein in that overreach. We also need to recognize where the government has failed in its constitutional responsibilities. The area where the federal government has failed grossly, in my opinion, is in border security. There has been only two presidents in my lifetime that have done anything to stem the flow of illegals um, from across our southern border. Dwight Eisenhower, which we talked about earlier, and Donald Trump. Eisenhower shipped the illegals back in such large numbers that they began to self-deport, or as the other guy said, return home. Trump built the wall and deported the illegals. When you look at the Constitution, you'll see Article 5, Section 4, excuse me, Article 4, Section 4, <clears throat> states that one of Roman numerals, what am I going to do? States that one of the federal government's responsibilities is to protect them, that's the states, from invasion. They may not be bearing weapons, but they are still invading. Many that are coming across our southern border are on a terrorist watch list. Biden has allowed the population of 15 states to enter our country um, without being vetted in any way. We don't know what kind of diseases they are bringing, what their intentions are, nor does this administration seem to care. The federal government has even gone so far as to sue states that have made efforts to stop the flow of illegals. The Biden administration, and that's not a term I use, okay? To me, it's the Brandon insurrection. So they say, he says, the Biden administration escalated its war of words with Arizona Republican Governor Doug Ducey over an innovative solution to close off an area of the poorest southern border with shipping containers uh, accusing the state of trespassing on federal land. <laughs> That's not true. We proved that earlier on the show. Ducey defied an open borders regi- the open borders regime when he rejected demands to remove the containers, which the, states, which the state is using to fill gaps not covered by a wall, trying to stem the tide of illegal immigrants, which I call aliens, and deadly fentanyl that, con- that continues to flood into the country, an effort that began in August with the governor putting his foot down. And it was a good move by Ducey. Arizona has had enough, Ducey said in a statement. We can't wait any longer. The Biden administration, their term, lack of urgency on border security is a dereliction of duty. For the last two years, Arizona has made every attempt to work with Washington to address the crisis on our border. 
time and time again, we've stepped stepped, uh, in, in to clean up their mess. Arizonans can't wait any longer for the federal government to deliver on their delayed promises. Yeah, I think that's a lot of what Katie Hobbs' election is all about. If she beats uh, Carrie Lake, which I find impossible, but if she does, it's because of the federal government's intervention and the cheating, because they want to keep the flow of illegal aliens coming through Arizona and Texas uh, into our country. Article says this is an enormous strain on our job market, education system, healthcare system, and housing market. Not to mention that it is in the American taxpayer that has to pay for all this. This is nothing less than treason and should be addressed as such. A nation with no borders is not a nation at all. If this is allowed to continue unabated, we will soon be a third world country. I know Americans didn't vote for that in 2020. Well, they didn't vote much against it in 2022. (laughs) Our education system is at the bottom of, of the list of industrialized nations. There are third world nations that have better rankings in math, reading, and science than our system does. We used to be number one. The pandemic You know what that's all about, right? The pandemic is a small cause of this, but students, primarily in blue states, have not been able to read at grade level for years. Liberals won't fail a student because it is a negative effect on their self-esteem. If they can't function in society, just what good does their self-esteem do them? In a normal year, the exercise would have been scaled back uh, by this point, uh, Wall said. uh, But because of the pandemic, I'm still doing these letter sounds every day. Oh, I'm not sure where that quote came from. All right, anyway, is a teacher a, you know, we got some other quotes here. I'm not sure what I'll do. Let me get back to this last part of the article. We don't teach the fundamentals of living in a society anymore. We don't teach history because I am convinced that if we teach the truth about communism, students would embrace it uh, like they're doing today. If we teach the truth about the founding of America and the sacrifices of the founders made and what they began gave the world the most prosperous, charitable, and powerful nation in the history of the world, and that would create patriotism. Liberals don't want patriotism. Liberals don't want a love of the liberty and freedom what the, the founders gave us. This goes back to Henry Ford and probably further. Ford funded the school system, but he required what he wanted to be taught. He wanted workers, not thinkers. Thinkers would create competition. He didn't want competition. I have to look into that. Ford Foundation Education, because I found a video on the Prussian model of education that we're under, which is basically a, a factory model uh, of organization to, to turn students into obedient servants of government, to be cogs in the wheel, not to be free thinkers. So, so there are no critical thinking skills. What's critical is that they don't think at all. That's the problem. And so that's what I'm looking into. I didn't know. I'm looking at the Ford Foundation in education. That should be interesting. He says, places of higher education were places where you could discuss different ideas. It was when I was in college, but we still got accused of being conservative even in the 80s. He says, look at both sides of the situation and discuss things through. These places of so-called higher education today only allow one side to be talked about, the liberal socialist point of view. Students are not taught that socialism has never worked at any time in our history. Look at 1930s Germany, the USSR, Greece, Cuba, Venezuela, and every other nation that has tried that system. They claim that ideology will bring equality, but that equality is equal misery. Every election is important, but if we don't begin to put responsible people who will follow the Constitution instead of a political ideology our way of li- you know, political ideology, our way of life will be gone. This guy doesn't know how to write with commas. <laughs> this is why it's hard to read. There's no commas in his sentences. So he knows where the spaces are, but he hasn't told me. He says, Klaus Schwab has declared that by 2030, we will own nothing and be happy. It needs to be the other way. He owns nothing and will be happy. This present administration is willing to let this worthless, unelected bureaucrat tell Americans what they can have and do. 
That isn't what our Constitution says. The rebuilding must start with the 2022 election and continue with each succeeding election, electing people who believe in America first. Remember, Reagan warned us that we were no more than one generation away from from losing our freedom. Let's not make this that generation. So, everyone, do you think that uh, we got America first? Do you think we got what we uh, were supposed to get? Do you think that this election went the way it was supposed to go in terms of uh, bringing our country back to uh, uh, freedom, justice, prosperity, um, productivity, you know, uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Do you think it did? Nope. No, it did not. Uh, is it a step forward if uh, the House and Senate go Republican? Yes, but the problem is they'd still be Republican. More on this tomorrow, back at 7 o'clock, 7 a.m. Central Time. And uh, you want to check our website for our legislation, writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-E-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. You can contribute to us at uh, givesendgo.com slash actionradio. And what else we got here? We got, uh, I think there's another one here. Uh, yeah, paypal.com slash paypalme slash actionradio. And those things will help us out. And I'll see you all tomorrow. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.